Hello, listeners. You are about to listen to the Two Tools Baseball Podcast. This is a show for any and all baseball fans and is led by myself and my co-host, Travis. I'm what you'd call a stats nerd, and my buddy Travis was a total stud on his D3 college team. Our goal is to try to show you how we view the game of baseball, and maybe we'll share a few laughs along the way. So grab a drink. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Two Tools Baseball Podcast. This is episode 44. Alex, still in lockout mode. That's right. Still in lockout mode. Um, nothing too much coming down the pipeline, I guess, with the news. Uh, almost the new year. Uh, we are going to be, of course, hopefully in January, we can get some good news with lockout deals ending. I think this is what the owners and the MLB uh, players union wanted to possibly get done after the new year, probably wanted to get the holidays and all that stuff under control and then kind of maybe get down to business in January. So hopefully, uh, when we start giving you some more news in January, we can get some, uh, you know, good breaking news where can, we can get all this stuff to be over. I know, I think everybody on planet earth wants us to be over, uh, definitely of course the fans. So, um, nothing really news coming out to you guys, but this episode of course is the, I would say the big one. It is going to be summing up all of the past, uh, six episodes. I would say of all the players and all the teams that we covered with the, um, pretty much going over all the franchises with all the divisions. And now we talk about basically the top NL team and the top American league team. And then also going over our all MLB team. If we had to put one together for Major League Baseball history, again, starting off with, um, you know, players that played in the 1900s to uh, present day. So uh, but first, we actually are going to talk about some rankings first. We're going to go and rank some of the teams that we talked about. So um, we will rank Alex and I will rank what we have is down as our elite eight. So we will talk about the eight franchises out of the 30 that we feel uh, fitted to make this elite eight if we're going to make this March Madness kind of bracket start off with the elite eight and then of course go down to you know who would be number one on this list we won't do a whole bracket kind of thing where we're going to play you know number eight will play number one who wins that game kind of thing um, probably some pretty crazy upsets would happen in this elite eight because uh, teams are all stacked so we'll do that and then we will go into um, ranking pretty much who the best infield we see fitted on uh, a franchise's team so talking about a catcher all the way through the third base spot and the shortstop spot talking about which franchises has the best infield which franchise has the best outfield and then of course which franchise has the best starting pitching staff as well as the closer so kind of giving some more perspective on those and then lastly we'll be actually ranking the six divisions one through six one being the best six being the worst um, with all that stuff. So a lot of rankings, a lot of our opinions put together in this episode. Um, but we'll start with the rankings first and then move our way over towards the National League and American League uh, lineups and rosters. And then me and Alex will talk to you guys about basically what we see if there is a seven game series played between these two leagues, 
who would come out victorious. So that'll be really fun and interesting. And then, of course, making our all MLB team to wrap things up. So, Alex, let's start now with the rankings, the Elite Eight franchises for Major League Baseball history. What we'll do is I will give you the bottom four, the five, six, seven, eight. And then, of course, you can give yours and then we can talk about the way we kind of did things to kind of speed things up. But for me, for my eight seed, Alex, for this one, I had the Cincinnati Reds. For my seven seed, I had the Cleveland Indians. For my six seed, I had the Atlanta Braves. And then for my five seed, I had the San Francisco Giants. So that's my four teams, the four bottom teams of this Elite Eight. Tell me who you got. We can get discuss. Yeah, very similar bottom four, Travis. Um, so my eighth team will actually be the Indians. My seventh team will be the Detroit Tigers. And then we have the same sixth and fifth, which is Braves and Giants. So okay. um, the main difference we have is Tigers and Reds. So that's where our, our discussion should really lie, I think. For me, the Tigers, I feel like I can go through catcher, infield, outfield, pitching, and not really see any weaknesses. Um, I just think the infield is... And, and honestly... And, and, and who did you have for your catcher for the Tigers? I think it was Freehand. Okay, that's right. That's right. So um, he was someone who was kind of underrated, under the radar kind of guy, but overall, I liked his numbers. And then Greenberg at first base, yep. easy Hall of Famer. Geringer, easy Hall of Famer, probably like a top five second baseman ever. Uh, Miguel Cabrera, I had him at third base, which he's going to keep racking up those numbers. Going to be a Hall of Famer kind of guy. I have Trammell... Uh, at shortstop, which is also a solid pick. And outfield, I think, is really good with K-Line, Cobb, and Sam Crawford. K-Line is like Mr. Tiger almost, and then Cobb and Crawford are like all-time leaders in like tons of stats. Harry Heilman is DH. I think I really like my outfield a lot with a DH there. And then pitching Verlander, Newhauser, Dizzy Trout is a great top three. Um, so overall, I think there's not, you know, there's no weaknesses really throughout the, the whole lineup and the whole pitching staff. So, Talk to me about why you like Reds. I think for me, Reds, uh, spoiler alert for the rest of my bra- um, rest of my teams, but they didn't make my cut. And I just think, for me, the pitching staff is what did it. So talk to me about why you include them instead of like a team like the Tigers. Yeah, and you know, it's funny because the Tigers and the Reds were my basically my the last pick. I basically made like 10 teams I had written down on a piece of paper and basically was crossing off which teams I were definitely had to be on the, on the list and what teams were not going to be on the list. The Reds and the Tigers were the two teams that were my final two in uh, to make the number eight seed. So I definitely like that. Of course, you're, you know, the Tigers are a team that right there should be with them. Um, for me, I think the Reds, when I look at the Reds, the pitching staff is not an attractive pitching staff when you look at the names. Honestly, when I made this list, I had probably maybe heard maybe of one name maybe one name yeah. most of the names are not something right. that you would be very familiar with there are a couple hall of famers I think there's three hall of famers on the uh starting pitching staff uh so that's of course important but um looking at the names on the uh starting pitching noodles han i mean never even heard of that guy had honestly a five to six year prime i think he honestly had a six-year career and it was very very good but did not make the hall of fame and literally started in like 1900. So that's of course one name. And then another name is Jose, I think is Rijo, uh, that played with them, I think in the late eighties and the nineties and missed a lot of years with injuries, but actually had a very good career. Um, and probably possibly would have been a hall of famer if he did not miss like six years with injury. Um, actually didn't miss the, like, I think he honestly retired and then came back, but, um, that's another name that's on this list for me, but I think it came down to the offense for the Cincinnati Reds. I look at their catcher all the way through their outfielders. 
Um, Pete Rose is not a Hall of Famer, and George Foster is not a Hall of Famer. George Foster, a very good power hitter and a very good outfielder during that big he, red machine. He very could well have been a <clears throat> Hall of Famer based on some of his numbers. Definitely. And so I think he's a guy that could possibly have gotten like kind of a snub kind of uh, treatment for the Hall of Fame voting. And then, of course, Pete Rose. He's a Hall of Famer, but of course, uh, cheating and the, uh, I guess, also the gambling. Being banned from baseball is the yep. main reason he, of course, is not a Hall of Famer. But being the all-time hits leader, that's a Hall of Famer automatically. So uh, Pete Rose would be a Hall of Famer, but he's not right now. So I just look at that list and that offense. It really does not have any weaknesses. Some of the positions are filled with some of the greatest people of those spots in, honestly, history. And I think that just being down the line of full Hall of Fame status and then ending it with Frank Robinson, um, just, honestly, a stud in itself. And then uh, infield, of course, Larkin, uh, Perez, Morgan, Votto, and then Johnny Bench being a catcher. Uh, I just really like the infield and really like the offense that I had to put them in my top eight. Uh, and then, of course, also with closer, Aroldis Chapman, I think he will be a Hall of Famer one day. Um, and so that really is what it comes down to. Um, I just, I, I, the, the pitching staff is, it's it's got Hall of Famers, but it's almost like it's not an attractive Hall of Fame list. So I agree, uh, yeah. So that's my only pick. But again, the Tigers, like you said, it, it was hard to pick against the Tigers with what they provide at the starting pitching with those names and then also with what they provide at the offense with Miggy, with Greenberg, with Gearinger, with Cobb, with K line. It, it, it's a it's a very good team. So I guess it's like I wish you could put that eight nine seed to do some sort of like wild card playoff <laughs> yeah. bracket kind of thing, but a play in seed. But that's my eight seven six and five but i'm glad we have the five and the six um you know giants and braves i think the braves honestly when you look at the pitching staff it's it's super special yeah the, the braves are a team pitching staff is really elite uh left side of the infield is all-time stuff outfield is is really really great some of the best players you know in baseball history on on the braves come from the braves uh the pitching staff is great and the closer is really great um the giants travis outfield is is top top all-time kind of stuff uh the infield has also some great bright spots too with the guys like mccovey um posey's also great and then some great pitchers as well so a lot to like about both of those both kind of i, I like that we have them at five six because they just feel like these like really 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 great really well respected all-time teams but not like the oh this is the best team like we know they're, yeah. they're not in that top top tier but they're right outside of it looking in yeah no exactly and they're yeah like you said the giants and the braves have so many strengths but i think the top four um they just have a little bit of an edge above them when it comes to the historic numbers but alex um i'll start it off by going through my four four all the way down to one so my four team is going to be the st louis cardinals um what they have is as i mean they have some of the greatest players of all time on that roster so st louis cardinals number four Number three, I have the Oakland A's, also with the Philadelphia A's, but the Athletics franchise at number three. Number two, I have the New York Yankees at the two spot. Number one, I have the Boston Red Sox. Alex, I think it's kind of a surprise. Uh, I, I just look at the Red Sox, and I just think everywhere, there's no hole. There's just no hole anywhere you look. When you look at the starting pitching, it's ridiculous. When you look at the offense, it's ridiculous. Um, I think it's honestly, a. I, I, I had some really good debates with a lot of these teams, but when it comes down to it, I think the Red Sox are my number one team. Who do you got for your top four? Yeah. So it's the same four in a different order. My four is the A's. My three is the Cardinals. 
My two is the Red Sox, and my one is the Yankees. So okay. same four. Let's talk about the order. So you have Red Sox first over the Yankees, which is probably like the immediate surprise. Like everyone knows the Yankees are like the dynasty and like they're like the team of the MLB kind of. Um, I'll just say that I, I just – I. I disagree, but I understand why, because mm-hmm. the pitching is going to be so good in comparison. The Yankees pitching is definitely weaker than the Red Sox pitching. Red Sox, you have five like all-time greats. Yankees, you have, you know, my team had Pettit and like Lefty Gomez, who are just yeah. not going to be in that same kind of level. Um, but I just think going through the position players, the Yankees have such a significant... I think the edge is a lot bigger than some might think. I think like Garrick versus Red Sox Fox is kind of a big difference. It it is. No, Fox it is. is Fox is great. Um, but it, he had, you know, some lesser years with the Red Sox and just Garrick at first is gonna be one of the most valuable picks of any team. Like you, you have a the best first baseman ever and you have him for your whole career. So he's your first baseman. Cano versus like Pedroia, like I can kind of see, you know, some similarities there almost. Um, For me, the big thing was the MVP was definitely a big boost in having Pedroia winning the MVP. Um, And I guess also being maybe more influential in like World Series victories kind of thing. So, yeah, that's fair. Um, And then so I would have A-Rod. Boggs is great. I think A-Rod's better. Um, Jeter Garcia Parra. I think Garcia Parra's peak was probably better. Yeah. But then, you know, I mean, it, it, we're arguing small things like years played, how much of that factor in. We can call it a tie or whatever. I, th- I would give it to Jeter, but I think we can call it a tie. Um, I, I would I would easily say, Alex, right now, when you start with the catching all the way to third base, um, the whole infield, I am giving, honestly, a slight edge to the every Yankee you've given. To okay. Me. I, I think, honestly, uh, Barra is going to be better than Fisk. I think that Gehrig's definitely better than Boston Fox, even though Boston Fox is still an all-time first. Baseman, I think it was a 150, 155 OPS plus, and also won an MVP. Gary was just like one eighty, exactly. And then of course Pedroia, Cano. You could really be like, okay, let, let's just meet in the middle. They're equal. Boggs and Garcia Parra, or Jeter and Rodriguez. I'm definitely gonna probably pick Jeter and Rodriguez. Outfield is where it just gets, it, it just gets stupidly hard because you have Yastrzemski, Speaker Williams for me at least, and then my DH is Big Poppy, David Ortiz. And then, of course, the Yankees is going to be, uh, for my list at least, I had DiMaggio, Mantle, Ruth, Jackson. You can look at it a lot of different ways um, with, you know, Babe Ruth being, you know, A1, just the supreme kind of guy on the list. But then you look at who's number two. It could be probably Ted Williams. Who's number three? It could be Mantle. It could be Tris Speaker. It could be Yastrzemski. You know, it's it's crazy going on the outfield list. The Red Sox outfield is something that is um, – really you can't really describe too much so no i think it i think that's a good there's so many all-timers in both outfields that it's hard to say which one's better um yeah i I just think that ruth is probably the best hitter ever and williams is right behind them and then i think mantle is like just it like in a in like a in terms of a five tool center fielder like peak years like class of his own like obviously there's there's maze right there and guys like tread are coming but like yeah i mean it's a very good comparison it's very fun to um you know, and then also, of course, I have Mariano as my and that's where, and that's a big is, separation, which is an exclamation point, I guess. But, I, um, I will say, Alex, the only thing is, I just think the rotation for the for the Red Sox 
beats the Yankees. I, I, oh, it I, does. I, 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 it definitely, I'm so high on it. Yeah. It definitely stomps them. I just, yeah. Clemens, Martinez, Cy Young, Lefty Grove. Even though it's funny how Lefty Grove and Fox both had their primes in Philadelphia for the A's. And then they like moved they over still, like a couple years apart and they came into Boston and then were teammates again. They're still good in the Red oh, they're, Sox they're, organization. They're still great, yeah. Um, and, and who did you have for your last Red Sox guy? I had Babe I, Ruth. Yeah, I had Smokey Joe Wood, who, right. who, who was like, <laughs> that's right, who was still yeah. really good. Um, that's right, that's right. And Papabon was still really good as that's a closer. But I just think that, yeah, with Mariano plus the position players for the Yankees, I think they're the best. But I mean, the Red Sox with the pitching, you know, if the pitching can take over against Mantle and against Ruth and those guys, then they'll win the series, obviously. Yeah. Because Grove, Martinez, Prime Martinez, Prime Clemens, you know, you're gonna be you're gonna be totally elite. So um I guess quickly we'll gloss over the Cardinals and the A's so we don't leave them in the dust. Um I think that they are in the top tier with the Easily. I, I think these Easily. I think it's a really good top four. Easily. I think the top four is a nice cutoff point for these. At least we're top. all on the same page on the top four. So yeah, I think it's a good top four of all time. Um, the A's, it feels like there's not a lot of weaknesses at all. Um, the pitching is really great. You know, peak Vita Blue in his Cy Young year is like one of the best, um, one of the best pitchers you'll find, really. Uh, of course, you got Lefty Grove at his prime. You have Tavish Hunter, Plank. Both uh, Eddie's, Eddie Plank and Eddie Rommel for me. Um, uh, if yeah. Eckersley closing it down, which yeah. is going to be one of yeah. the best options you'll yeah. have. And then catcher through infield, um, maybe a. Campanero is like maybe a bit of a weak spot. The, the only stop. thing that, yeah, the, the third but base the outfield, shortstop for me was only part that was just like, ah, it's it keeps weak. them, yeah. it keeps them out of the conversation with the top two. Exactly. Um, and then for outfield and DH, it's going to be some of the best hitting you'll find. Simmons, Henderson, Jackson, McGuire. For yeah, me. yeah. Yeah. It'll be yeah. some of the best you find. Uh, we agree there. And then, um, for the Cardinals, Travis, they're just a, uh, very well-rounded team. From, from bottom to top kind of like the top four teams of course they're well-rounded like it's kind yeah. of right. <laughs> yeah it's yeah. kind of redundant to say that but um hornsby I, I, yeah. best second baseman ever ted simmons a top something catcher top i don't know like yeah. seven eight catcher yeah. ever you could, yeah no, I, I was gonna think too definitely a, probably a top 10 he's a hall of famer and so yeah. uh great catcher i mean i think the right i think the right side for the cardinals could possibly be the best right side of all time um i don't think pools it might not be the best first baseman we'll find out later uh but pujols hornsby um that's you really can't get much better than that when you look right. at right side infields um left side i think for me i, I know you had johnny mize on your cardinals yes. team but you still had pools in the outfield yes. but then for me for my left side ken boyer not really a great attractive name to really think about but shortstop ozzy smith you have the best the best defensive war position player of all time in ozzy smith so he is locked down defensively anchors that infield and then the outfield Stan Musial, who goes right there with Ted Williams as one of the greatest hitters of all time. Lou Brock, for me, who, of course, one of the best stolen base guys of all time. And then Joe Medwick, um, again, a Hall of Famer and a great position player, left fielder, I believe, for his uh, position. But we have him in the outfield spot. Um, I mean, the offense for the Cardinals is unreal. And then the defense is also unreal as well with Brock and Smith. Um, and surprisingly, even Pools has some good defense with gold gloves at first base. And then, of course, for me, the, the starting rotation, starting off with Bob Gibson, um, that's a legendary in itself right there. I have Dizzy Dean. I have a couple other guys, uh, Harry Brasheen, uh, and a couple, of, and I think Max Lanier. Uh, I know you had Chris Carpenter and a couple other guys, but um, right. there there aren't weaknesses in this roster. So um, anything else to add kind of on that? No, I think I think it's a, you know, A's, even though we had different order, A's, Cardinals is a very good 3-4, and Yankees, Red Sox is a very good 1-2 punch. 
um yeah i think you know we're on the same page more or less uh perfect probably good to move on perfect yeah and we'll talk now um basically kind of just three little items we want to talk about alex out of the 30 teams that we talked about um kind of give me who you think had the best infield and when i talk about infield i want to include catcher and then of course first second third short who out of the 30 teams that we talked about which franchise had the best infield yeah, there's a few teams that came to mind, but when it came down to it, I had to go with the Yankees. I think Barra, if I had to give a ranking, I think he's like second, third, maybe best catcher ever. Mm -hmm. um, Garrick, I think, is the best first baseman ever. Cano is not one of the best second basemen ever, but he, if you look at his peak seasons offensively, you're going to get some of the best offensive seasons from a catcher ever um, from him. And then Jeter is like probably a top six or seven shortstop. Uh, and A-Rod Honestly, if he put his whole career at third base, he, he might be better than Schmidt. He might be the best third baseman ever. So, with that in mind, uh, I had to go with Yankees. I I agree with A Rod. If he played his if he's played his whole career at one of those spots, he would. It, it's funny with him that he split the time at short and third. So it really just kind of sucks when you make like an all time list because if he was at third base his whole career, he'd be the best third baseman. If he was at shortstop, he'd easily be the best shortstop, hands down. For me, Alex, best infield. I. Yankees were in my top two. I went Cincinnati Reds. I figured that was my guess for you. I know you. I, so for me, I'm in I love. Uh, Johnny Bench, best backstop probably. Joey Votto, not nowhere near Gehrig. So I think Gehrig gets the edge there. Um, for me, Joe Morgan, Barry Larkin, better middle infield than Cano and uh, Jeter. So I think Larkin is better than Jeter, and I think that Morgan is better than Cano. Perez is not as good as A-Rod. Um, in my mind, I look at three position players that are better than the Reds, and Yankees have two. For me, it's just three. Yeah, three, well, three beats two. But what about the gaps? What about the gaps? I mean, no, so I know I, I, you're I, right. I, I agree with your point. You know, I think I think I would agree. I think there's three. I agree. Morgan's better than Cano, and I agree Larkin's better than Jeter, and I would have bench over Barra. But you're right. The, the gaps. But the gaps do between mean. the two the Yankees win. Is Vado's are probably going to be a Hall of Famer, but Garrig is way, way, way better, and he's number one. And then uh, A Rod is way, 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 way better than uh, Tony Perez. But okay. like, right. it's you know, Tony Perez is you know great in his own right, but um, I think Larkin Jeter is close, and Morgan is not close. He's way better than, yeah, than Cano, of course. If you said but, but, if you but, said but, Cano Morgan's close, I would but, be a little. Yeah. But also Bench Barra is close. Like Bench is probably the best running away, but Barra is like second or third. So like. Mm -hmm. Where would you have Barra? <laughs> where would I have Barra? Well, well maybe, maybe we'll find out later tonight we'll on this find episode. Out. Exactly. Um, I no, I, I mean no, you're right. I mean the gaps are definitely astronomically different. I mean they, I mean, yeah. I mean first base is a huge difference. Vado is. It'd be interesting to look at it. Maybe he's a top ten first baseman. I have to look. Yeah, it, it's, it, it's you have to look. It's definitely questionable. When we think, of course, Garrig as being you know the prime first baseman of all time, so. Uh, it, it'd be an interesting, you know, list to kind of make, and we can definitely do that one episode if this lockout goes till May. Uh, no, but <laughs> every uh, position ranked through one through thirty. <laughs> no, I know, but and honestly, for me, it, I, I just I looked at that way as okay, three spots beat two. I know the gaps are definitely going to be huge in there. Tony Perez is still a great third baseman. I know with A Rod not playing a lot of uh, years at third base, um, definitely of course can kind of hurt him. But also, uh, you know, Votto still being a good first baseman in that in his own right. So, I think uh, the best infield. Um, yeah, I, I think the Reds. I think the Reds might have the best infield. 
just just to add some credence to your Votto point, he is 12th all time in first baseman Jaws. Jaws is the average between your career war and your war seven, which is just your uh, best seven seasons of war. And he is 14th all time in war for first baseman. So he is definitely could be top 10 when he retires if he has a good two more years or something like that. Okay. Okay. Well, that kind of sums up the infield, Alex. I'm glad we had a good little heated debate there. It was just funny that Yankees were on my number two radar. So at least the teams we're talking about, they're on my radar when it comes to the infield. Um, I really wanted to kind of like talk about like Cardinals and also the A's, but I think the left side for those teams, the shortstop third base side just hurts me so much that I just am like, I I can't really talk about them that much. So uh, that's our infield. We'll now move to the outfield, Alex. I think we should agree on this one. Um, I'm going to go first. I went with the San Francisco Giants. Ott, Mays, Bonds. It doesn't really get too uh, too close to that. I mean, the Yankees do have a great outfield. Uh, one of the best of all time. Probably coming in uh, in the top three. Red Sox have a great outfield too. But when you look at that, the lowest war guy is Ott with 110. Yeah, so, it's crazy. I mean, I mean, it's just, I mean, and you want to talk about power. I mean, they have power. I mean, they yeah. have power. They have athleticism. So um, the Giants are mine. What is yours? Yeah, I also have the Giants, Travis. Uh, Mays is going to the best outfielders you're going to find looking anywhere. Bonds, one of the best outfielders. One of the, you know, could be the best hitter ever if you want to turn your eye to steroids. Um, and then Ott is a 500 home run hitter who has, you know, like like you said, 110 career war. Uh, underrated because of his era kind of played in the shadows of the National League when when Garrigan and Ruth were kind of tearing it up. But Travis, um yeah, I think that I think that the Yankees, if you want to count Ruth as the outfielder, I think Ruth Mantle DiMaggio is something special. It's almost very similar. You can almost say like DiMaggio, uh, you can kind of draw a comparison there. Mays Mantle, you can call that a draw. Ruth Bonds, I mean, edged edge to Ruth unless you say steroids are illegal yeah. and then it's probably tied. But um yeah, I think that that's very an apt comparison. I, I like I like the Red Sox. You mentioned them too. I think that's a good top three there because easily Yastrzemski, uh, Williams, uh, Speaker. It's a little bit less like five tooly like the other teams are, but it's still um, elite all the way around. The hitting is yeah is ridiculous. But um, glad we talked about that. The outfield, good agreement there. <laughs> we now move to the best pitching staff that I guess we saw from these thirty teams. Uh, five starting pitchers and then the closer. Um, for me, Alex, Atlanta Braves, um, we talked about it in the last episode, uh, that five that we put together and we had, I mean, it is, I think I said it, every guy on it has 300 wins or yeah. some, something I, like that. I, 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 think, or, I think besides John Smoltz, the four did. Yeah. And besides Smoltz John Smoltz, everyone had 300 wins. Everybody had great ERAs. Everybody had wars that were probably North of, you know, 90 almost. And so you literally look at, at just an eliteness. And then, of course, Kimbrell. He's not a bad guy to close out games. Um, he's one of the best. He's one of the best. That's my pitching staff, Alex. Who do you got for yours? It's the same. It's the Braves. I, I, I really did consider the Red Sox, I will say. I think Me the Red too. Sox front four competes with the Braves front four. But I think if Grove was prime as a Red Sox instead of as an A, and if Clemens played his whole career as a Red Sox, I would have gotten Red Sox. But oh, yeah. I think the yeah. fact that you didn't get prime uh, – Grove and you only got about like you got less than half of like Clemens career because Clemens yeah. was still ab- good but oh he, he was very good yeah. he had some great seasons but he was also a Yankee and also an Astro and also a Blue Jay yeah he was hopped- two years in Blue Jays two Cy Youngs yeah. great years yeah he he hopped around a lot and it just kind of takes away from his Red Sox only legacy um 
And then, yeah, I think I think if, you know, if you had peak Pedro and you had peak lefty and then all of Clemens' career, I think I would have gone Red Sox. But, um, you know, so much of Maddox's career was a brave. So much of Glavin's career was a brave. Spawn was a brave. So it's like the kind of looking at those kind of facts, yeah. uh, it makes them like the yeah. easy pick, I think, at definitely. the end of the day. Definitely, definitely. Okay, cool. So at least, yeah, most of those picks are all pretty spot on with, the, of course, the list. Um yeah, that, I thought that was a really fun thing to do because um, there's so many teams that you just are like, God, like this infield is deadly, but the outfield is just so bad or the outfield is so good. Infield is not good at all, you know, something like that. But um, we'll now move Alex to the kind of our last rankings. That'll be the top six for the divisions. This, of course, Alex, I will say was probably one of the hardest things I had to do. I probably in the in last your, month in your life, in my honestly, in my life, it it, <laughs> it took so much of what do I like? What do I want? Who fits this bill? Who fits that bill kind of thing? Um, so I guess, Alex, what we can do is we can start off by going number one and go down to number six uh, for this. For for me, Alex, I'll start off. For me, the best division in baseball history, American League East. Um, I, I think we, everyone knows it's just the deadliest division. You want hitting. Um you got the best hitters in in the game. You got if you have Ted Williams and you have Babe Ruth in the same team. I mean, you're looking at some of the best hitting, and then of course pitching side of things. We really thought about the uh, you know Betts pitching staff being the uh, Boston Red Sox, and that would have been a very big help right there. Uh, but I think that you know with what the Yankees provide, with what the Red Sox provide, um, and then also you know Doc Holliday pitching for uh, the uh, pitching for the blue jays i think it's it's such a good pitching staff and then also of course the hitting is it's funny the hitting is literally going to be probably like one oriole maybe two orioles and then it's just red sox yankees Mm -hmm. leading the charge so it's really just a red sox yankees division so um it always has been but that is my number one team alex who do you have for your number one team i also have the ao east travis i think it has to be the ao east um like you covered it well not much to elaborate on but the yankees red sox you can just combine their franchise histories and you're going to Frankenstein a team that is just like <laughs> yeah. the scariest. It, it's just it's just inner circle Hall of Famers at every single position, uh, including pitching staff. So, yeah, there, there's there's no – I think there's no way to argue otherwise. I think it has to be the AL East. I don't, I don't think anyone's close. I think they're like – they're the top tier by themselves. Definitely, definitely. Um, we'll now move on to uh, – let's – we'll do number two and number three okay. to kind of speed it up. But for me, Alex, number two – on the all-time all divisions number two is going to be the national league central okay i have the central number two and number three i have the national league west i know you're shaking your head i know you're no, i'm just confused yeah. I, i'm not disapproved i'm confused okay okay um my Whoa. my man <laughs> you know i'll let you i'll let you give you yours and then we'll talk about it so i have the al central at two Interesting. Okay. I have the NL Central, who you have as two. I have them at three. So okay. we agree NL Central is, top three. is high. Yeah. It's high on the list yeah. because um there's tons of history with the Reds. There's a lot of great history with the Cubs, you know, great pitchers. Um the Cubs almost can kind of account for some of the bad pitching yeah. in the in the yeah. in the Reds. Um, I mean you look at Bench, Pujols, Hornsby, Wagner, and you can even look at Archie Vaughn too infield. I mean yeah, 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 yeah. You have I mean the amount of all-stars you're also or hall of famers you're getting from the pirates. Like usually you think of the pirates, like yeah. the pirates, are like the lower team. Cause like recently last like decade, they've been like, you know, or like last two and a half decades, pretty much since bonds left, they've been kind of a lower ranked team in the division. But, uh, Travis, they, 
are giving you so many. They're giving you like Young Bonds. They're giving you Archie Vaughn. They're giving you Honus Wagner, Willie Stargell on the bench if you want him. You know, Ralph Kiner. They're giving you so much uh, Clemente. So this team is giving you so much, uh, you know, good stuff. Um, there's lots to like about them. So yeah. AL Central. Uh, you know, Charles, I think. Sorry. We, oh, AL Central. You went AL Central. Okay. I went with them too, but I think I need to hear where you have them. And you need to hear where I have the NL West, and then we can talk about them. I think talking about them right now doesn't make sense yet. So give me your bottom three. I'll give you my bottom three, and then we'll talk about the rest. I'm just gonna, I'll give you. I'll give you one through six right now. Again, I'll just go okay. through. So AL East, NL Central number two, number three NL West, number four AL West, number five NL East, number six AL Central. So I have the Central as the sixth team, and I know you had them in the top three. I had them two. Number two. So, Travis, the team that you had three, the NL West, I have them last. So, I have AL East, AL Central. Don't know what you're doing with your life. Man. NL Central is third. Do you hear that outside? It's rained. It's because the world is just crying at your list right now. They're crying at your list, bro. <laughs> third is NL Central. Fourth is NL East. Fifth is AL West. Sixth is NL West. So I have the West as the bottom, bottom for me. And that is just come NL down West. to... Sorry, the AL West is fifth and yeah. NL West is sixth. So okay. I have the West as okay. the bottom barrels. I was, was going to say, because you have NL East at four and I have NL East at five and then you have AL West at four and I have them at... Or you have them at five and I'm at four. So we can flip-flop the AL West and NL East pretty much. So that's that's fine if they're like the... the, the Not the bottom, but like close, but like they're definitely, I think, in that... Secondary we have tier. them pegged kind of correctly. Yeah, no, no, exactly. I, I just think that the AOS and the NOS, um, the NL, the, there's exceptions, but I think a lot of the teams in the division are just so new and have not had that many like inner circle Hall of Famer kind of guys. Obviously, the Giants are an exception. The Dodgers, to some extent, are an exception. The A's are, of course, an exception. But... um Give me so give me why I think the big thing is NL Central we have in the top tier top three NL Central and the AL East the biggest ones are the AL Central and the NL West give me why you think what what your thoughts are in the AL Central why you have them um, so high okay so the AL Central there's so much history there um, on this team uh, so looking at it you have uh, Mauer at catcher is going to be great. Uh, Greenberg. Piazza's better. Yeah. Okay. I mean, you're getting, you're getting, <laughs> no, I, I know, I you're know, getting I know, Dodgers I know. Piazza. It's like six years. No, I'm talking about Mauer's career, bro. I, and that's why this thing could get really, yeah. Of course, of course. And then so, uh, second or yeah, second, uh, first base is going to be, uh, Greenberg. Yep. It was on my, uh, yep. AL central team. Um, Nap is my second baseman yep. who's going to be like a top three second baseman ever kind of guy. Easily. Brett is the third baseman, yep. top three, top four three. at the yep. position ever. Uh, Boudreaux is a shortstop, bit of a weak spot. Yeah, I have Luke, Luke Appling, so again, a short, definitely a not a good hitter, you know. And then the outfield is stupid. Is, yeah, is going to be three for me. It was three very similar players: uh, Shoeless Joe, Ty Cobb, Tris Beaker. It kind of comes down to what do you think of their era? They're three guys who played in the dead ball era, but put up some of the best stats ever. Uh, yep. If you're looking at even like OPS plus, like rate adjusted stats, these guys for their era were five tool. They for their era, they were considered they had power as well, but they hit for crazy average. Some of the best batting average seasons ever coming from those kind of guys. Speaker, all time doubles leader. Cobb, 
all time. I think he's like second in everything. I think he's second in doubles, second in triples, second in hits, like all time, which is just kind of crazy. Best batting average, though. Best batting average. Shoeless Joe, uh, completely underrated. Banned from baseball (laughs) for the Black Sox, but um, he was having an all time great career when he got cut short. And the pitching staff, Travis, is going to be amazing with Walter as your ace. He can pitch. If we're having a series between these divisions, he's going to pitch half the innings. He's just going to go completely crazy. He's, <laughs> he's going to go 10 innings a night. He's yeah. going to go completely crazy. Uh, I have Feller right behind him. Uh, I have uh, Walsh, Addy Joss, and Santana was mine. And I have Nathan uh, closing up. But okay. run through the NL West for me and tell me why you think it's better. I mean, for me, I think that when you look at, of course, the NL West outfield, it's 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 better. I, I think that Ott, Mays, Bonds is going to be better, which is very hard to really, when you make that comparison, it's just like, wow. Um, You're getting completely different era, so it is kind of hard to see. It say. is. It is. The only thing is the infield um, will be a little bit, you know, it, it's going to be a little funky. I mean, for me, I think I had, I don't know if we had the same, but third base and shortstop, it's Arenado and Pee Wee Reese. I mean, you're getting good defense, but Arenado, of course, has good hitting, but not the hitting as of, um, like Brett say yeah I mean George Brett of course so it, it, it definitely is not uh this kind of, it, it's a, it's a different kind of player it'd be interesting how when Arenado ends his career what it looks like compared to Brett and then Pee Wee right. Reese at shortstop it's very similar I guess to Luke Appling or Boudreaux you're not going to get a gr- great hitter but just more of a defensive player and then of course the right side I went with Todd Helton but of course you can go with Willie McCovey uh at the first base spot so I mean honestly McCovey and uh, Greenberg, they're comparable. They're comparable. So I, 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 I like that. And then second base, Jackie and Nap. Nap is definitely, of course, I think a favorite. Jackie's still a great player to have. Um, and then catcher. Uh, I know Piazza only played so many time, so many years, six or seven years with the NL West. So he, of course, is tough compared to Joe Mauer. Um, Joe Mauer is a top ten catcher of all time, I think. But Mike Piazza, in my opinion, is probably an easily a top five catcher of all time. Um, so I, I'm probably going to go with that. It sucks because the years, of course, are going to play into a huge effect. Yeah. Um, honestly, though, I, I look at the starting staff. In my starting staff, you have Christie, Randy, Kershaw, Koufax. I had Marichal as my fifth, but I just look at those four, and I just, I honestly am thinking like these are just. I mean, it, it is, it, it is some of the scariest like ERA and arms coming out of the of of just starting pitching that. That I've seen. I mean, yeah, I agree that it's deeper. It's deeper than the AL Central, what I listed. But I mean, I yeah. Also, I have like a lot of old school guys. Like no, I, yeah, have, I had yeah. Walsh, Walter Johnson, uh, Eddie Joss. But yeah. like on an ERA basis, like my guys are competing. At least my top three are competing with with your guys. Yeah. Um, and then of course I Hoffman closing it. Um, and then of course Gagne and Jansen being in the relief. Um, I like those guys a lot better than I think I had Quisenberry. And I might have had Greg Holland as well as like a secondary guy for that uh, Royals team, but I thought that the I thought that the bullpen was just a little bit weaker than um, Travis. Quick question. Maybe, quick, not, maybe not even a little bit weaker. Probably. Quick, quick question. I'm not asking about who had the better career, but if it's Game Seven, up by one, ninth inning, would you rather put in Prime Hoffman or Prime Nathan? Which way are you going? Probably Hoffman. You think so? Probably think so. Yeah. Yeah. I think I would. I think based on an ERA on with, a, with on, this defense on a run prevention basis, I think I would go with Nathan. Um, but you know, I mean, you know, at that point we're picking hairs. But it's just kind of a funny thing I thought of. It is a good question. Hoffman I mean, yeah. is. You could say oh, someone's like, oh, 
That's the second best closer ever because his saves. But I think on an ERA basis, he doesn't really stack up with some of the other guys. That might come up later on in our in our yeah, all time NL definitely. team and stuff like that. But I mean, um, if you ask Mariano, of course it's Mariano. If you honestly, if you said if you said Dennis or oh, that's actually a tough one because Dennis gave Dennis gave up freaking the biggest home run. Oh, yeah, <laughs> so it's kind of like why well, would I even put him in the clutch? But um, no, I mean that that's a good question. You're right. You're right about that, um, Alex. I mean that that. That pretty much wraps up, I think, all these divisions. I mean, I will tell you this, man. It it is. I had AL Central probably in my top three, just by looking at Walter. Mm-hmm. I love Walter Johnson. I think he will easily be on my list in the later rankings or later teams. So, uh, more to come with that. But I just, I, I, I don't know. I, I figured with the outfield and what the outfield brought for the um, NL West. I think the pitching staff too. Just with Christy, Randy, Clayton, Sandy. It's 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 pretty dominant right there. Um, those lefties are just really all time greats. And then of course Marichelle, and then I think the bullpen um, does a better job. I think Gagne and Jansen are a little better. Bullpen's kind of harder because now you're looking at like okay, this guy had a five year prime, and it's like after that, like Gagne, it's like five years of just excellence, and it's like what else happened to his career? It's kind of like right. you know. And then of course guys play in other divisions, other teams, other leagues. So. Uh, it's a fun list. It's, it's a fun kind of, conversation. It's kind of a pipe dream a little bit. I mean, I'm glad, of course, I think a, a good majority of our teams were in the right tiers that they should have been. I mean, I don't think that, uh, I, I mean, the, the AL East, I mean, that's kind of just a, a pure kind of easy go around. AL East is good. NL Central, I'm glad you actually thought NL Central was a top three because I I like the NL Central a lot. I did not think they were going to be a very uh, – very high on my list just compared to looking at them today. I feel like the NL Central is right. kind of a not, not a not a weak division, but just it's not doesn't have a lot of star-studded players in it today at least. So the NL Central, you could definitely look and say it's not a really fun division, but it is historically a great division um, for that. So that kind of rounds out our uh, divisions. Uh, anything else to add on that? No, I think that it was a good uh, fun conversation, but uh, our dis- our disagreements are a bit more severe than I thought. And that's fine. That's just because there's so many ways to kind of look at how you approach the conversation of, you know, best division. Like, do you care about the depth, the best performers? There's a lot, a lot goes into it, but um, yeah, I think that was a, a fun exercise. Perfect. Perfect. And that will now kind of lead us into the, the main three parts of this episode. And that is going to be, of course, making our national league team, making our all American league team. And then of course, making into our all MLB team, which of course gets very, very controversial. I'm sure me and Alex might be about 80% uh, accurate with one another when it comes to matching our list. But uh, Alex, let's start with the national league team um, and go through kind of who we have for all our all time, all national league uh, squad. I'll let you start at the catching position. Okay. All-time National League. This is what it's all been working towards, Travis. This is what we've been working towards for the past L- little, six l- weeks or so. Little preview. Um, some of these decisions were very hard, and it feels very weird, Travis, to uh, like put this like all-time NL, all-time AL, all-time MLB, like pen to paper, and like yeah. hey, this is like I'm happy with this. Yeah. Because it feels like I'm not happy it, though. It feels I, like yeah. it's something I need to keep working on. Like it feels like something no, it I does. need to keep. If I do more research, I can find something else about this other player, but. Travis, let's just get it going. It's time. <laughs> NL catcher is easy. One of the easiest picks is easy. Johnny is Johnny Bench. Johnny Bench, good. You have Johnny Bench as Johnny well. Johnny Bench as well. It's it's it ha- a pretty easy one to it, go with. It has yeah. to be. Um, you know. You look at Piazza. Um, I, I just Piazza did not. You could whatever Piazza did, Bench could do. 
I think I think overall as a hitter, you take Piazza if it's like one at bat to you know to win the game or something. I would go Piazza, but as a nine innings of being a backstop, I think no one competes with bench in terms of the offense as well as the defense. Um, did it all, did it all, and was part of some really uh, important teams to you know his franchise history. Definitely, uh, no one comes close. I think definitely, definitely. Uh, moving now to the right side, Alex kept it St. Louis Cardinals. Our Pujols, Rogers, Hornsby, first base, second base. Um, again, I thought Hornsby was the a, a shoe in easy second baseman. Pujols, you had to, of course, I think, look at other guys. Uh, McCovey, um, Freeman, kind of, I guess. But uh, who do you have for your right side? No, we're, we still agree. Okay. Um, in terms of NL players, Pujols, I think, is above the rest by a good amount. If you look at like the all-time war leaderboard for first baseman, uh, Gehrig is first. Pools is second. And then if we're talking about 1900s and onwards, the next NL guy is like Bagwell, which is like 20 war below Pools. So um, I think Pools was an easy pick. And then uh, uh, second base, uh, Rogers Hornsby. It just has to be Hornsby. Uh, best second baseman ever. Um, offensively, there's no question he's the best second baseman ever. The war likes him. Uh, the, you know, the, the base offense page is covered in bold, and you know that I means that's a good thing. So Definitely. It, it's easy pick for me, first and second base. Definitely. I'll let you start with short and third. Give me your left side. Okay, so third base, I go Mike Schmidt. I think, you know, you could try to be funky, like we were being funky earlier with the Phillies team and stuff like that. I was getting, getting a little crazy, but um, at the end of the day, I did that with the Phillies because I wanted to keep Rollins off. I thought Jimmy Rollins was just going to be worse than like Scott Rowland. But I think there's you enough. Mean, wait, you mean Rollins isn't a national all-time national league? No, he's not. But, <laughs> but I think there are, there are other shortstop options that make it okay to keep Schmidt at third base. So Schmidt third base, I think is the best third, third, best third baseman ever, you know, the best power at third base ever. And then the war is crazy. Cause he also played elite defense shortstop, Travis Honus Wagner. I think it's pretty clear as well. I think the only competition he has for best shortstop ever is with probably Alex Rodriguez. Alex Rodriguez' whole career in the American League. So for National League shortstop, it has to be Honus, dead ball era kind of guy. So some some analysts might say, I don't want to look at that. But if you look at his stats, you know, rate or era adjusted, like you account for like how good he was compared to his peers, he was having 200 OPS plus seasons. That's better than something that, that guys like Trout can't even do sometimes. So um, for me, Easy left side. I think the best shortstop and best third baseman ever possibly on my team. And we agree. Yeah, I, I, I figured. <laughs> so infield, of course, I think is pretty, I wouldn't say simple. There's definitely a lot of things you got to look into. But, but I mean, so far we've agreed yeah. one through five, which is not that, Wagner, not that common. Mike Schmidt, um, left side. It, it, it provides insanity when it comes to defense. And then, of course, um, you know, Honus just being a contact guy and Schmidt being just a pure power guy. Um, you get almost everything from that left side. I think we have potential to like be perfect here. I think no, I think this no. NL team yeah. is very the, the bench will get interesting. <laughs> it will, it will. But but in terms of catcher through outfield and DH, I think we have a chance. Yeah. Here. Let's see what your outfield yeah. is. So I'll give you my outfield with my DH. Um, for this one, Alex, I went Hank Aaron, Willie Mays, Barry Bonds in the outfield. DH has got to be Stan the Man, usual. That is my four for the rest of the lineup. We continue to agree, Travis. It has to be Bonds, whole career in the NL. If you don't like the steroid Bonds, you still get Pittsburgh Pirates Bonds, where yep. he was pretty much left-handed Mike Trout playing left field. Um, or you could even say like left-handed like Willie Mays playing left field, You know, however you want to slice it. 
Um, and then, of course, Mays is on the team. He's got the most war for any center fielder ever. Um, could be a top, could be the best player ever. Could be a top five, depending on how much you you know want to count the defense that he was great at. Aaron, on top of so many leaderboards, has to be on this team. Musial, um, going to be the worst outfielder defensively yeah. of, of, between those three guys. So it makes sense to make him the DH. We agree there. Um, all-time great hitter in terms of some, some of his you know triple crown kind of guy. Got all these MVP awards on some very good teams. So. Um, he has to find a way into the starting team, so he's a DH. Yeah, it's crazy to look at this outfield, Alex. This at one time was before A Rod and Pujols passed Mays. This was literally like three of the four right here. This out, uh-huh. this outfield right here. Just it's it's kind of just it's crazy to see that this team has an outfield of three of the four home best top home runners of all time are in the NL outfield right here. So. Honestly, the team was, I, I'll, I'll say it, it was slightly challenging so far, but it was also pretty easy because you just know the names and you just know that some of them are just the greatest of all time. So um, the National League lineup and the starting position players of the DH, it's it's pretty insane, I will say. It is, it is pretty stupid to say. But um, Alex, we'll now move to the five bench spots. Um, I'll give you my five and then you can give me your five, what you think. Um, would be best suited for this team, I guess, in kind of winning a seven-game series for this uh, in a series against the American League. But um, my bench spots, I'll start off with Mike Piazza. Um, I think he is the second best catcher in the National League um, to replace Benj in case, just <laughs> hypothetically in case of anything. So I have to include him as the bench spot. Uh, second guy I have is Chipper Jones, good for playing short, third, and outfield. So I love to have that. Uh, next guy I have on the list is Mel Ott. Uh, again, just a complete rock star. Honestly, he might make like an honorable mention, like outfield. If you had to put one on there, he could be a great guy to fill in there. Uh, and then the next guy is going to be Roberto Clemente. So I actually have Roberto Clemente on my bench just because of the insane defense. I think he honestly could maybe go and help out Bonds or Aaron if they needed it in a late game situation. I don't want a Nelson Cruz fiasco happening again. So Roberto Clemente will be on there. And then last but not least, I have Frank Robinson, um, all-time great with Cincinnati. Uh, Also, he can play some infield and some outfield. So that's my bench. Interested to see who you got. I like your five. I like your five a lot. We do have some differences, but um, a lot of the similar thoughts went into this. So... um, the, my approach is I want a catcher and I want to make sure I have guys that are good for pinch hitting as lefties. Some guys are good at hitting as righties. Um, and I want, I want someone that has speed too for pinch running. So yep. cover my bases. So Piazza is my catcher. I, you a hundred percent, what you said, makes sense. You need, you need a backup catcher on your team. If you're going to make a full roster and if you're going to have a great backstop, like bench, might as well have a great power hitter as your catcher, because he can also pinch it if you need to just in a clutch situation. So Piazza is going to mash from the right-handed batter's box. I also have Joe Morgan. Joe Morgan, for me, okay. uh, I like how he's a lefty, can platoon with Hornsby if needed, also a defensive sub for Hornsby if needed, also can pinch run or for anyone if needed. Um, he's my, my, my base dealer. If I need a base dealer, I have Joe Morgan on the bench. Larry Walker actually makes my team. Very nice. He is almost like the same way you describe uh, the way you have Clemente. Clemente. I have, yep. I have Walker. And Clemente, I think, has the better career to Walker. But... Uh, I think Walker can do just as good a job as stealing a base if I need it or doing a defensive sub if I need it. Um, and it helps me get a lefty, another lefty in my uh, in my team, essentially. So I like that pick. Um, I have uh, 
Mel Ott as well. So we agree there. Mel Ott is going to be a great left-handed uh, bat uh, in the on the bench. And then my last pick, you had Chipper Jones. I actually went with Matthews. So okay. All right. Kind of kind of interesting how we had the different third baseman of the uh, of the uh, Braves history. But um, yeah, I think it's very interesting comparable. It's interesting. I have four lefties on my bench and that's just because there's so many righties on my team you're right it's yeah. literally schmidt righty wagner righty hornsby righty bench pools all righty <laughs> mays aaron are yeah only two lefties in the whole team so i wanted to make sure i had lefties on the bench um i like my bench i like your bench yeah we got good benches <laughs> a lot of good players it's tough to kind of yeah i mean you literally could go with so many guys and um you know you got to just find those holes and you know players you named are 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 can definitely fill the holes that are needed. Um, I actually really like the Morgan pick. I I totally, honestly, kind of threw him away just because. Because you know Hornsby's the best. Right? Yeah. There's no need yeah. to replace him, but yeah. he covers what Hornsby can't do. I guess. Exactly. Morgan's going to provide you better speed and better defense. So maybe even coming in, if if Hornsby has his last at bat in the eighth inning, you can put him in to play defense for the eighth, and also maybe play defense for the ninth or something like that. So um, he's definitely a good guy to platoon. But um, yeah, I mean the bench is bench is stacked um it, it is it is elite so now moving to the five starting pitchers alex uh, i'll let you go first give me your five and then of course i can have my rebuttal and we can discuss how we kind of went about ours cool um this five is going to be in no order i have randy johnson i have greg maddox i have christy matthewson i have clayton kershaw and i have Pete alexander that's my five. Tell me who you got. Clayton Kershaw. Yep. <laughs> Christy Mathieson, Randy Johnson, Pete Alexander, Greg Maddox, Tom Seaver. Okay, so it's Kershaw versus Seaver. The rest are the same. And, and that is a that is a tough matchup. I've yet to say who is going to win that that and, battle. And so, um, just to quickly go over the guys that we. Are not going to debate because we agree. Randy, Randy's Randy. Randy and Maddox have just four-year dominant stretches, uh, both in the NL. The so it's just, just yeah. it's just going to be elite numbers. Um, looking at uh, Matthewson, uh, one of the best dead ball era pitchers, one of the best ERA guys of his time of all time. Uh, he makes the team. Uh, there was no question. Pete Alexander, one of my favorites. Um, bounced around different teams, but all in the NL, or most in the NL at least. So because of that, um, he was pretty easy for me to include. Kershaw and Seaver, that is where our disagreement is. And um, Travis, I like Seaver a lot. I think he's a really great pitcher. Um, I don't have any problem with it. I just think that Kershaw's prime is a little bit probably disrespected. I think that you know, ever since he entered the league, he's been really good. And then in like 2011, he just hit this groove. Cy Young, second in Cy Young, Cy Young, Cy Young, third in Cy Young, fifth in Cy Young, second in Cy Young, injury year, or like only played 26 games, then eighth in Cy Young, then ninth in Cy Young. And then last year, he got hurt again. So the two years he got hurt are the only years he's not top 10 in Cy Young for his entire career for a decade since breaking out in 2011. So I think that in some of the peak numbers as well, a 197 ERA plus, he's, you know, head and shoulders, the best pitcher in baseball for, you know, four, five, six years in the first half of the last decade. Um, you know, Seaver has, you know, the Cy Young's two, 
I agree. I just feel like there is no blemish on Kershaw's record. You will say the blemish is the playoffs, and I do agree that he has had some meltdowns. But I think overall, um, he is. I think what he has done, of course, you know, we're talking about a series, but I think in a regular season scenario, he's one of the best pitchers ever. In the postseason, still, Travis, um, he's had some great outings anyways. Uh, so go ahead and tell me about Seaver. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're, you're spot on when it comes to the prime. I mean, you literally go through the awards and you go through the ERA titles, four straight years of ERA titles, MLB ERA titles, yep. not just NL. So I definitely love to see that. Um, you know, I think it's really crazy with Kershaw. He's 33 or just had his 33 season. But and, uh, and we always all say, I mean, some people probably would say he, he's he's 40 years old. Right. But he's not. He's 33. It's crazy to me. But I think that we will really find out what Clayton Clayton Kershaw is already a Hall of Famer. Yes. I just think it when it Easily. comes down to the legacy, it will it will we, we, we will find out what his legacy will be in the next Yes. Four years. Uh, that's that you put that so perfectly in the next. Yeah, his next contract, if it's like a five-year deal, will decide: Are you a top twenty-five ever, a top fifteen, a top five? Yeah, the sky's the limit. But it comes down to how he ages in his thirties. And right now, sitting at a two point four nine career ERA, that is stupid good. Um, Greg Maddox couldn't do that. Um, a lot well, of the guys, Randy Johnson, couldn't do that. I mean, there's so many guys we had on this list. Seaver right now, of course, 311 wins. Uh, Kershaw will not at all come close to passing him there. Uh, and then 200, I'm sorry, 2.86 ERA. So we're looking at about about a point, about a, almost about a point four higher ERA. So that's why I said with that, it'll be very interesting to see how Kershaw is going to finish his career with it all. Um, and then, of course, looking at Kershaw's strikeouts right now, he's sitting at 2670. And Seaver sitting at 3640. So about a thousand strikeouts higher um, from that. For me, Alex, I just, of course, I, I think much like DeGrom, maybe even possibly even Scherzer, Kershaw still has the the story to still write. He still has to finish that storybook career. And so Seaver's already finished it. And he, in my opinion, is still one of the greats of all time. Um, I have to have him on this list. That's the only thing is I, I'll let you know this too. In like you said, in five to ten years, this list could be very easily Kershaw Degrom could be very easy to be included on this list. So yeah, I, um, I, I do I do agree with that. Um, and I'll add Travis. You know, Seaver, I agree with the point. He's his story has been written and it's in stone and it's all time great. Um, but if I could take the very best version of Seaver and the very best version of Kershaw. And I had to choose who to give the ball to in a game seven. I think I'll probably go Kershaw, but you know, it's, it's obviously you're comparing two all time greats. Um, I will also say if you're factoring in starting pitchers who uh, played in the American national league, uh, Kershaw is second all time in career ERA plus to Jacob deGrom. And uh, the, only reason why you know they're that high, like Kershaw's gonna drop a bit because Pedro's only like one ERA plus below him, so Kershaw will drop a bit. But uh, if you look at the list, he is going to be you know top you know ten for you know a while, and he'll be top twenty for his whole career. He's uh, all time great ERA plus guy, uh, all time great ERA guy below a two five in this era where we've had tons of um, you know 
crazy power. 2019 was one of the craziest power years in baseball history, and he still has you know a great career array. It's interesting too because looking at even 2014 Kershaw, um, he had a 177 ERA that season. He won the MVP, won the Cy Young, almost had 200 innings pitched, but still had a lot of innings pitched that season. Had a 197 ERA plus, and that was his best season. You could probably argue. Um, for Clayton Kershaw. And then of course you look at the best season for Seaver. It's a one seven, six. Mm-hmm. It's literally a 0.01 better, uh, ERA plus one ninety four, So three points down on the ERA plus, yeah. but over 90 more innings pitched that season. Um, it, it's, it's kind of incredible when you look at those numbers and you're like, Holy crap. Like you, you want to look at like best seasons and, that was his best season, and it's slightly just a tick under. And it's crazy that season, second in Cy Young for Seaver, ninth in MVP. And that season for Kershaw, he won the song and MVP. So it's kind of crazy when you look at the awards and the um, accolades, that how, they, how, they, how they're so different. Led MLB in FIP that year, led MLB in WHIP that year, um, and, and led, led the NL in strikeouts, almost three, 300 strikeouts that year. So What I'll also add, Travis, that great year you're talking about by Kershaw, I believe that that is the year that earned him as MLB Network's best player in baseball the following season, 2015. Um, I think you're right. The only time in Trout's career uh, after his <laughs> after his breakout that he was not ranked number one. He, he got ranked number one in like 2013 or something, and he never looked back until the one year Kershaw passed him. I don't know if I agree with that. And I still I'm, have beef with that. Yeah. But, but, I'm, <laughs> but the fact that that's even a conversation says something because yep. if you're going to rate Kershaw above, you know, that's like saying a Seaver was better than, than like William Mays, which is just like yeah, something crazy yeah. to no, say. But. And, but even looking at the prime two, you could say that was a great season by Seaver. But then, of course, look at the season before or after, and it's definitely an ERA probably in the twos. But you look at 13-14 Kershaw, 1-8-3, 1-7-7. It got better. It's like I, I, that's one thing about Kershaw. You look and say, how do you get better than a 1-8-3 ERA <laughs> right. the next season? And and you and it's just it's it's right there in the numbers. I mean, it's just it's pretty phenomenal. But um, Alex excellent list i mean four i i knew we'd be honestly pretty spot on when it comes to maybe like four of the five if not five of the five that's kind of like how the whole list has been we know who the greats are um it just comes down to making your top five who's going to be out who's going to be in um let's now move of course to the four relief pitchers i have my three setup men and then my closer i'll put them down you give it out next but for me alex um i think we'll probably disagree on this um three setup Kenley Jansen, Bruce Suter, Suter, Bruce Suter, Craig Kimbrell, closing Trevor Hoffman. So that is my four. I think we'll have a different closer, but that is my four. That is interesting. I didn't expect that, but I'm good with that. I'm good with that. So my three setup, I have Suter, I have Jansen, I have Roldis Chapman. My closer is Craig Kimbrell. I like that. Hoffman does not make my team. <laughs> Hoffman is not on my team. I know team. you're not a Hoffman and, guy. And yeah. that just comes down to the peak ERA years, the peak ERA plus years. Um, he was a stat accumulator. There's no shame in that. You're going to become a Hall of Famer. But I think if we're talking about a series, I want the guys with the best peak numbers. I'll take peak Jansen over Hoffman. I'll take peak Chapman over Hoffman. Um, go ahead and talk to me about uh, your decision to include Hoffman not only on your on your four but as your closer over a guy like Kimbrel who I know you like. Yeah, I mean honestly, I love Kimbrel. Um, 
I think he he's just pure dominance. Um, and it's kind of funny that we talked about it. Uh, I think last episode, but we talked about how like Kimbrel um, and Liam Hendricks, how it's just like it's funny how like you know Kimbrel stri- he he thrives more in the closer role, not in the setup role. But I have him in the setup role here. I think I think for me it just comes down to with Hoffman um, being you know just basically being you know second in saves. I think I think it just comes down to that. He's the um, face of a, the closing role. He is the Mariano. face. He is the face of the closing role. Um, the the best NL relief pitcher in today's game gets the Trevor Hoffman Award. Um, so it's almost like the names after him. It's kind of like a Cy Young dilemma where we don't really think of Cy Young as possibly being the best pitcher of all time, but the name is named after him. So he's kind of like the pioneer. So I had mm-hmm. to include I think Hoffman as my closer because he is kind of like the pioneer for closers. He was I think looked at as like kind of like a kind of a guy when it came to just stacking up the saves um but i mean one guy we didn't include on our list alex is lee smith he's he had the all-time record for a long time in the in the national league and also in baseball so it just kind of goes to show for my team i don't really care about saves total i care about like the peak years so yeah. talk, talk also talk to me about you have jansen over chapman I, travis yeah. i thought i was about to really make you upset with having Jansen, you had Jansen and not even Chapman. Talk, talking about that, I think with me, um, Chapman, of course, not playing as many years as Kenley in the NL, mm-hmm. um, played of course with the Yankees and then also, um, he played the Yankees twice, like he Yankees went to twice. The Yankees, yeah, I keep thinking about that, and then Cubs and then Yankees, yeah, and then I think also, um, overall effectiveness, um. Chapman's been known to blow some pretty big opportunities and he, and he kind of has. So I, I guess that kind of leads, leaves a bad taste in your mouth. Kind of like the whole thing, maybe with Kershaw, I didn't at all factor in postseason success. I really don't want to include that really right now. It's a nice little kind of tick up, but I'm not really going to downgrade anybody. Um, but for me, I think Kenley playing, you know, the past 10 years about in the national league, being a strong relief pitcher and closer for the Dodgers, um, I give him the nod. I, I think I think his numbers definitely will be suited better than uh, Chapman's, uh, you know, years in Cincinnati. And then, of course, like I think it was maybe ten games for the Chicago Cubs. I just think that Kenley playing his entire career with the Dodgers. That's why I'll put him on this list for my role. Um, uh, Bruce Suter also playing his whole entire career, I believe, in the NL as well. I think um, he was a lock for me just based on yeah. how good some of his ERAs were. Pretty much his whole career in the NL. Uh, he, I couldn't. I, he wasn't going to be my closer, but he also was not going to miss this team. Yeah, and of course, him being, um, him being, you know, Cubs and Cardinals kind of legends. So he, of course, has to be on there. And then I think Kimbrel as well. Um, what he was able to do with Atlanta, and then I guess also uh, this season, he the first half of the season with the, with the Cubs, he was unbelievable. I mean, he was literally up there with yeah. Hater as one of the best, you know, closers in the first half, pretty much. Uh, I guess the big thing, of course, is Hoffman and Chapman. I guess that's I, I, most people would definitely say, well, it's, it's probably easy Hoffman because I right. mean, Chapman is just he played six years or five years with the Cincinnati Reds, and then Hoffman is an all-time goat, you know, a, all, all-time Hall of Famer, and so that's an easy discussion to make. But that's kind of how I had my list breakdown. Um, yeah, I, I guess I, for me, I, I honestly, I no, I, I respect Jansen. I, I I respect Jansen for what he's able to do the last 10 years. And also I think it was either 20, I think it was 2017 um, that season having an insane ERA, just an insane closer that year uh, for the Dodgers. But um, that's, that's the four. Um, and I'm, I'm, I, I'm pretty happy with it. I knew that's where we're going to get into some, 
I guess, sticky situations, but at least only one guy was left off both of our lists that we had on, you know, another list or, you know, other lists. So, yeah. Um, last, I guess, last closing thought on like this Chapman versus Hoffman conversation, obviously all time status, you would favor Hoffman and that, that makes sense. Um, and Hoffman, I think never left the NL. Uh, that's correct. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. It looks like Florida, San Diego, I feel like Hoffman, just, if you had to look at four relievers in the National League history, I think Hoffman, I, I just no, thought Hoffman no, had to be a guy no. that you easily have to put. I think it makes sense. But just for my team, I guess I really value Peak. And in all of the years of Hoffman's career, he only has two seasons that were above uh, a 190 ERA plus, And that is Chapman's National League. Career, career ERA. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. I mean, I just think that on a ERA basis, uh, I'm favoring Chapman. But in terms of totality of career, it's, you know not, me. It's, not, it's, not, it's not close. You know me being longevity guy. So. I, I know. I, I, and <laughs> see, that's the basis of the whole podcast is that I know we're going to have these different you know, philo- uh, philosophies, and that's what makes it fun. So uh, that pretty much wraps that up. Very good National League. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Going over it, man, I, I was I was pretty blown away. You kind of got to take a step back and look at it all. But that is the National League roster. I know we kind of slowed down a little bit with the starting pitching and the relievers, but we wanted to, of course, talk about what we thought um, for our picks there. But, Alex, we will now move over to the American League um, and start off, of course, with the catchers. I'll let you go first. Give me who you got for your starting catcher on the American League all-time team. So unlike the National League, for me, this was not a lock. I had to do a lot of thinking. And a very, lot of, very true. A lot of comparisons. And I landed on Yogi Berra. Go and tell me who you got. And we'll discuss. Pudge Rodriguez. Ooh. <laughs> that is not what I was expecting. Okay, talk to me about Pudge. Pudge, um, higher war than Yogi. Um so far, all around, I mean, I, I definitely, Yogi is is definitely the better hitter, I would say. Uh, Pudge has some nice numbers. I mean, he does have uh, a, a better better batting average and more hits, almost 3,000 hits as a catcher, which I, I just find, honestly, pretty pretty damn impressive. That That is honestly pretty insane. For me, Alex, I think I just favor defense. I would rather have defense over hitting, and that is what I'm going to favor most just just mostly um i like pudge i think he is possibly up there right next to bench with the best defensive catcher of all time um he has i think some of the best defensive war of all time i got to check that out to see what exactly his defensive war is it's it's almost 30 30 defensive war as a catcher um that definitely beats yogi and so um that's why i picked catcher um it was a tough one though it's not like bench where you can just kind of easily go into it but Pudge will be my starting catcher for my American League team, Alex Yogi Berra. Um, so yeah, it's when you say Pudge wins on defense, I can't say anything there because I don't know how good a defender Yogi was. I never watched him play, right? And it's a compl- it's it's a completely different it's a completely <laughs> different era where you know defensive equipment was worse and defensive tactics were worse and guys were stealing way more. So there's gonna allow more stolen bases. You know, Babe Ruth was stealing bags back then because anyone could steal bases whenever they yeah. wanted. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, I think at the end of the day, you know, only 9.2 defensive war for Yogi Berra. But um, I really don't know how they're tracking defensive war back in the day. I don't, they don't have defensive runs saved and ultimate zone rating and all these advanced defensive stats you see today. They didn't have that back in the, in the 40s and the 50s and the 60s. So, 
Um, I don't have anything to say about the defense. If you say you want the best defensive backstop and you think that that's Pudge, then that's then that's very fair. Um, I think that in terms of value added, I like Yogi. Um, what I will say, Travis, I have written down here. I picked Barra, but Fisk and Pudge have both more war and more jaws than Barra. Maurer has, I think, better... I love jaws. Maurer, I think, has better peak seasons than Barra does offensively. And Mickey Cotrain has the best war per 162 of all of those guys I just said. His Cotrain's war per 162 is some of the best, but he just had a short... I guess his career was shortened by an injury. I think he got beaten in the head or something like that, um, which is which is tragic, but that's the way things were back it's, then. It's sad because they didn't have helmets back then. So yeah. It's just he got hit by a baseball in freaking right in the dome. So, yeah, I, I mean, I think that uh, there's tons of way, there's tons of different ways to kind of slice this up. Um, by defensive war, uh, you can make the argument for Pudge. Uh, I agree. But um, also, I'm just going to throw it out there. If you don't care about it, that's completely fine. But there are steroid allegations, um, and that is just something. He's in the Hall of Fame, so yep. which is just – I'm excited to talk about that in January in our Hall of, uh, Hall of Fame discussions because Bonds and Clemens are being gatekeeped out of the Hall of Fame. Meanwhile, there's guys who are allegedly did it, and they're already in. So that's just the way it goes. But, yeah, Terrence, I think that Pudge is a surprising pick. Um, I think if I had to rank my picks, honestly, I was really – considering Joe Maurer just for the offense. Really? But but that's just because I'm thinking in this circumstance as a series. And so I don't really care about your longevity in a series. So Maurer's peak batting, MVP Maurer in a series is batting leadoff and he batting almost 400. Like, he's going to go crazy. But at the end of the day, Travis. Um, but I will say with your, your, your one, you want a series, there ain't a better winner than Yogi Berra. Right, right. So I, I think you look at that as, and that's one thing I wanted to bring up too with, choosing this is you want a guy that's going to win you ball games and win you a series. Yogi Berra is, is not only going to be a great backstop, but he's probably going to be a good, um, he's going to, he's going to provide things that probably can't get measured. Like, you know, just the overall, um, you know, clubhouse environment, you know, that kind of thing. Maybe, you know, of course we, we didn't, we didn't know him that, you know, we didn't, we didn't know him at all. We didn't watch him at all. He has some good quotes. That's all I know. Yeah. But I mean, you just look at that. Controlling the pitching staff, I'm sure, is just going to be great. And even, you know, I mean, looking at, you know, 350 home runs as a catcher, um, almost 1,500 RBIs as a catcher. I mean, you think of 2,000 RBIs is almost like this, like, immortal status to get to. 1,500 RBIs is something that most guys don't even get to, and he almost had it, and he's a catcher. I mean, that that right there says it all. Um, OPS plus at 125. Um, But, Alex, I think just for me, it came down to Ivan Rodriguez defense is going to be legit. He is going to be able to control everybody and control the whole entire infield, almost control the pitching staff as well. Um, and literally every pitcher can pretty much trust him more and more. But um, this is why these lists get really, you know, technical. And it's funny how we literally had to pause on this one already. Oh, but I know, but I agree. I think this was one of the most interesting kind of topics because there's definitely the different options all have bring something different to the table. So, definitely. so it's, it's, it's good talk. Definitely. So that moves us to uh, the right side of the, or I'm sorry. Yeah. The right side of the infield for the AL team. Um, I'll start Alex first base, second base, first base, pretty easy. I mean, this is already chalked in Lou Gehrig. He is going to be an easy shoe in for the American league. He beats Hank Greenberg. He beats Jimmy Fox. Um, even though Jimmy Fox, I think, you know, really had some good competition with Gehrig playing in the same exact era. They were 
right on each other, I think, when it came to the stat lines and winning awards um, every single year. So um, Garrick won at 1B. One, one um, second base, Eddie Collins for second base. It's funny. I think Eddie Collins was my all AL West second baseman, and he was my all AL Central second baseman. Yep. So I think that, he had that, it. That'll help. I think it was between Collins and Cano, and I was like, this is just, this, this isn't even discussion now if it's Collins and Cano. Um, Eddie Collins is my second baseman. That's my right side. Who do you got? Yeah, uh, we agree. It's Garrick and Collins. Um, first, I'll go to Collins. He is, I think, you know, you, you take away Hornsby, who I think we have as the best second baseman ever. I think Collins. I don't know. Is, we'll have to discuss that. Yeah. We'll talk about it, but I think we both already said that in our National League. But anyway, I think Collins is probably the second best. I think his main competition is his dead ball brethren in uh, Naples um, but Collins and, and, and <laughs> I like that Collins and Knapp, I think are, that was the discussion in my head and I already had Collins higher for the AL central. So it I think made, he's also got a higher war too. He has the higher war and the higher war seven, the higher jaws. What I will say is the war per 162, which is a stat that I like because it kind of factors out like how many seasons you played because war, if you played 18 seasons and your opponent played 15, then the guy who played 18 yeah. is going to have more. But yeah. anyways, war per 162 uh, Collins is, has the edge by 0.1. So that actually makes a little bit of a difference there. But Travis Collins, I think, is a slam dunk pick. We agree there. Um, going over to Gehrig now, uh, I will say that Fox kind of uh, kept him honest in that era, kind of made, kind of... He was right, right on his... Yeah, ca- kind of pushed him to continue Gehrig. Like, you know, without without Fox, maybe Gehrig, uh, you know, I don't think he's going to slack off, but at least kind of Fox kind of kept pushing to kind of keep Gehrig... Uh, continue to be elite but i think the numbers are solidly in garrick's favor even though fox has like the home run edge because garrick's career was of course tragically cut short by the luke garrick's disease but um yeah the batting average favors garrick by a good amount the on base favors garrick by a good amount the slugging favors garrick by a good amount um a 179 ops plus on the career for garrick truly one of the best hitters of all time so for me didn't have to think about it too hard at all. I think Gary was the easy pick. 8.5 war per 162 on the career. His career per season is getting 8.5. He's an MVP every year by the rates. So, so basically that's measured. Yeah, you're you're saying you're not really looking at how many seasons you play. You're just looking at your your war total with what, yeah. what, what you're averaging every year. Well, yeah, your average per 162 games is for your whole career is at 8.5. So on the average 162 game span, you can expect him to put up MVP numbers for his whole career, not just in his prime. So um, Gehrig, for me, has to be the pick. Uh, Probably a good move to the left side now. Left side of the infield. Um, I'll let you go first, Alex. Start it off, and then I'll give my rebuttal. (sighs) Okay. So there's one guy, (laughs) Charles, there's one guy who has to be in the left side, right? There's one who has to be, but he can go in two spots. Mm-hmm. That's very true. So I have A-Rod at third base. Oh, okay. Be- because I really want Cal Ripken as my shortstop. <laughs> I have a feeling. I, I, I have a guess of what you did, but I'm just going to let you, let you have your yeah. moment. Yeah. Who's your left side? Yeah. Um, Alex Rodriguez is my left side. Alex Rodriguez is my shortstop. Yep. My third base, Mr. George knew it. Barrett. Knew it, knew it, knew it, knew it. Okay, so let's <laughs> let's. Talk, I mean, so so it puts us in this funky. A, this a, I, you know, listen. This is what I was gonna do, Alex. I was gonna actually put a rod at short, and I was gonna put a rod at third, and I was just say 
Re- read it and weep, Alex. I have A Rod at third base and I have A Rod at, at shortstop. I would so. say that's cheating. But no, exactly, I, I would, exactly. I would, I would throw a fit. But I have Alex Rodriguez at shortstop. I am. I, I I don't know. I mean, do you think Alex Rodriguez at shortstop is better than Alex Rodriguez at third base? Here's what I think. What 40, I think. Forty forty guy. I'm taking peak A Rod, and I'm gonna put him Texas Rangers A Rod. Whatever A Rod you think is the best, Travis. I want that guy at the position that allows me to put who I think is the better player also on the on the roster, right? I'm going to use him as a flex pick. So pretty much for me, the argument becomes whether I'd rather have Ripken or Brett, and then A-Rod can just kind of fill the hole because I'm getting peak A-Rod no matter what in my mind. So for me, I would prefer Ripken over Brett. I understand the argument for both. I think Brett as a pure hitter is probably going to give you more value. But I think the defense of A-Rod at third – Prime Arod playing third base and Ripken playing shortstop is going to be absolutely incredible. Ripken also has Iron Man status. He's not going to miss one at bat one game. He's going to, he's, <laughs> he's, he's going to be in every single every single moment of this game. He's going to be locked in. Um, Brett is an all-time great, though. So talk to me why you felt like you had to have Brett in here, and then we'll, we'll discuss. I think Brett, in my opinion, um, top two, top three third baseman of all time. Um I think that he definitely warrants to be on this list. Uh, I think Alex Rodriguez is definitely kind of the, he's the wild card. You just got to choose and pick where you want to put him. Mm-hmm. Um, honestly, if I had to rank it, I think Alex Rodriguez is a top three short. Is it, uh, I mean, he's a top three shortstop, top three third baseman. I think he's honestly probably number three when it comes to third base and shortstop. I think he's number two. We'll discuss that in later, mm-hmm. uh, you know, part of the episode. But um, I think George Brett is number i think he yeah i think he's a top two i think george brett uh is warrants to be better than alex rodriguez at third base so i put him there and you know it then comes down to do you want a rod or do you want cal ripken so um that's where i went with that and so i think that i think also it gives you a nice little balance of righty lefty when you look at that as well sure that's uh, fair. You know, the wars are actually, it's funny because I mean, the war, it's like you almost, you have like an 89 war for Brett and then you have a 96 war for Ripken. So you're looking at almost like a five war, practically a five war difference. Comparable, uh, for sure. Very comparable. So that of course gets, um, you know, you, you can easily look at that as well. And then, and then of course, just the overall batting. I mean, I, I think if you look at the overall batting numbers, um, they're they're very close. I think Brett, of course, having a way better batting average and a way better, and actually not a way better OPS plus, but a 135 OPS plus compared. To, I think Ripken's like 112. I had to include that in there for the um, for the third base spot, and then of course you know over over 3,000 hits. Oh, you know, t- I think he's honestly in the top 10 for doubles, um, and then you know over 300 home runs. Not a huge home run hitter, but still a, just a great extra base hit machine. George Brett was, and then of course with Alex Rodriguez, I mean, I, when you look at but Texas the, Rangers, Alex. There's Rodriguez, no argument for a Rod. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm not going to push back on that. It, it yeah. just comes down to, I think you have three guys and you have two spots. Where do you want to put them? It's kind of it's it's. And it's, I think a Rod is going to be there. Yeah, so I, in, my, in my mind, yeah. it comes down to, do you want Ripken or do you want uh, George Brett? And I think it's a fair argument. Yeah. So I'm not going to push back too hard. I would personally take Cal. But like the war, the war per uh, 162, it does favor Brett. So I'm not gonna, you know, I'm not gonna fight. Wait, let me double check. 5.2. And, and what's, what's crazy too is, you know, it does favor Brett by 0.1. 12 years of A Rod at third base for the Yankees, a 136 OPS plus. 
21 years of Brett at third base for, I think it's honestly only the Royals. Um, only, a, only a Royal, yeah, 21 years, 135. So literally one point lower, and he played 10 more years practically. So it's kind of like if you want to look at the overall hitting two, Brett still has some very good numbers there. The power, of course, will go to A-Rod. I think, um, I think I, that's, I, that's a very interesting OPS uh, plus point, but I do think that factor in the defense, the base running, the power, I think A-Rod is really going to make himself kind of established at that spot. But yeah, Travis, I mean... Sorry, dude, no gold gloves at third base, so... We, who cares? <laughs> he, I, like, a, I like pointing those awards out. A-Rod a- 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 was an elite defender, um, for sure, but like we keep saying, no, of course. Played, played two positions. So I think that pretty much wraps up that discussion. Yeah. I mean, it's... It's a good one. Difference of opinion, Ripken and, and Brett with A-Rod in the mix. But um, yeah, I think that that's kind of expected, honestly. I think our team so far are shaping up to be very solid. I like, I like the little, I like the little, you know, here and there is a little bit. It, it's good. Yeah. Um, let's see if that continues in the outfield. Uh, <laughs> I'll go ahead and I'll go first. Yeah. Give me your three outfielders in DH. So Ted Williams has to be on my team. Mickey Mantle has to be on my team. Mike Trout is on my team already. And my DH is Babe Ruth. Travis, <laughs> go ahead and give me your four. <laughs> oh, man. All right. So three outfielders. Mickey Mantle. Ty Cobb. Babe Ruth. DH Ted Williams. Big difference. Ty Cobb and Mike Trout. Alex... Wow. I I was ready for this. I, I know you're ready for this. I know. I know. And the biggest discussion, I mean, honestly, it's 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 kind of I think it's the same thing that we had from the last episode with the whole Bryce Harper thing. What Trout's trending is he is a five tool player, whereas Cobb is almost like a a complete four tool player. Uh, maybe a three tool. I, I don't know if you want to include power or arm. No, I'll, I'm very fine with calling but, Cobb four four and a half tool. He's but, he's pretty much complete. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, the big thing, of course, you look at is, I mean, you, I mean, you really, it's such a hard comparison because Ty Cobb, 150, 151.5 war. I mean, Mike Trout right now has... 76.1. So Mike Trout right now, honestly, has cut that in half. So he literally is halfway to Cobb. Um, I don't think he's going to come to 150 war in his career. Um, definitely probably over 100. Um, in case something, you know happens freak accident or something like that but i mean i just think that cobb with what he was able to do his status i mean you just look at every i mean it's it's so hard to compare alex i mean it's you just look at the bold numbers in ty cobb it's it's just batting average every single year 12 batting titles um you know ops at 944 it's funny that honestly trout already has a higher he has a higher ops than uh ty cobb and some of the numbers are actually all better um it doesn't have a higher on base but a higher slugging definitely and then also when you look at the total OPS plus, a better OPS plus than Ty Cobb. Of course, Ty Cobb, 24 years in the league. Mike Trout right now only looking at 11 years. So there's still a lot of time to, um, you know, get better or then decline or, you know, incline. But um, I, I, it's, 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 a, it's kind of, a, I don't know, I, it's, it's a hard comparison. Because, I mean, you, you and yourself would say it's, I don't know, I feel like you'd say like, okay, like Cobb is, I mean, it's so, so, so Travis, it comes down to what you want on the team. Right. And 
I think Ty Cobb has had the better career, but would I rather have prime Ty Cobb or prime Mike Trout in a seven-game series? I would rather take the very best version of Mike Trout. That is where I stand right now. Travis, remember I was just telling you about how I was just telling you about how uh, Lou Gehrig is 8.5 war per 162. That's crazy. MVP every year kind of numbers. Mike Trout's career so far is a 9.6 war per 162. That is, I don't know for sure if it's the best ever, but it's probably the best ever because he misses games and injuries and stuff like that, which is obviously going to be a negative. But when he's playing, he is one of the most viable players of all time. Um, He plays in a much rougher harder era with better pitchers and that's not i i don't like when the argument gets used to diminish guys like ty cobb and stuff but i just think that when the when the ear when the ops plus is better for trout um and you also factor in he's playing against you know guys who are throwing you know crazy gas that no guys like cobb have never seen um for, for me it helps boost um also a defensive war trout actually is favored which is surprising to me yeah um the war, yeah, the war on a rate basis, the war per 162 is is superior. It's actually better for Trout than any other guy in the center fielder uh, uh, leaderboard. Um, Travis, there are plenty of arguments for Ty Cobb. <laughs> if you like... And pe- Ty Cobb is doing this on a $20,000 salary every year, so... And, dude, his first MVP is making 9K. Yeah. 9K, that's not very much, but but Travis... He put up he put up ten point seven WAR on nine K. That's just uh, yeah. that's good that's good value per dollar. Yeah. But uh, they, they they back then they said what the hell is WAR? It, it, like we going to WAR or <laughs> is that a, is that a wins by placement? Uh, Travis, eleven point three WAR for Cobb is his best in a season. That's better than Trout. So I'm not gonna say that you know uh, the very best season of Cobb might very well be the better than the very best season of Trout. But I think also another factor that kind of tied into this a little bit. Um, I think also Cobb has more value on the bench. I think as a pinch hitter and a pinch runner, he provides this extra value. Whereas for the bulk of the games, I think I want Trout's five toolness and then situationally Cobb can come in. I think that's another kind of strategic advantage. But at the end of the day, if I had to give a nod to just one of them, I would lean Trout's peak, his prime over Cobb's prime. I understand that Cobb has had the better career. But just the consistently being over like a 175 OPS plus year in and year out for Trout. Obviously, Cobb is doing something very similar. But um, yeah, I, I think that Trout has earned it. I think he has at this point. Obviously, in his career, still a lot to prove. But he's only 10 seasons in. And you look at the war leaderboard. Uh, he's already no, ridiculous, he's man. already like eighth best at, in shortstop. In, sorry, in center field history. War per seven, Travis, talking about take the best seven seasons of someone's career, he is already he's already above Tris Speaker. He's third, only behind Mays and of course Ty Cobb. So um Ty Cobb. So much like about Trout. I, I'm interested though that you did not do this comparison with Mantle and Trout. I thought you would have been like, I'm gonna choose one of those two because they they are so similar. I get two. I that's true. You I get two. two Mickey Mantles and I like Mickey Mantle over Cobb and that's just that's just preference uh when it comes down to it. I guess I'll just take the five tool guy. Uh, as the starter and a situational player at the, off the bench, um, I agree that Mantle and Trout are more similar, and so you might want to have like more archetypes in the outfield. Like you know, Williams is the on base guy, and and uh, Ruth is the masher, and then you have the, hey, the hey, five tool guy. In Cobb's center. gonna be my on base guy. Lead off, get hey. on base, steal a base, steal two bases, let someone else hit you in. I embarrassed throwing him out, dude. Sorry. <laughs> but anyways, I think I. What think, you mean bench? Uh, I I guess so. I, I was comparing our AL teams, but. Um, 
So, Travis, I think we've exhausted the Cobb versus Trout debate. Yeah. Just quickly on Mantle. Um, it's Mickey Mantle. One of the best peaks, <laughs> like some of his peak yeah. years, is putting up 10, award, 10 war, 11 war. Travis, for those that don't, that don't know at home, he was injured his whole career pretty much. He's walking around on a bum knee and still stealing tons of bags and being, you know, his defensive war is actually negative, which I think is mostly probably because of his injury and maybe not, you know, being super great out there, maybe botching some stuff. But at the end of the day, Travis, completely five tool in all time great. I think one of the yep. best peaks ever. And then, of course, we agree on Ruth, who's the best hitter ever. And Williams, who's yeah. right there next to him. I, I mean, I mean, yeah, Williams. I will say, yeah, best, best top two hitter ever. I mean, Ruth Williams, best hitters of all time. You could yeah. literally, I mean, best and, on base and best slugging. I, I will, I will put out there. In my opinion, I think Williams is the best hitter of all time. I think Ruth is the best player of all time. So I like that. I, I, I'll put that out there. That's why, of course, Ruth will be playing in the outfield. But yeah, I mean, that's you're just going to be that. That's. I don't know how you get past that. I, I, you know, and these lists are just so, yeah. I mean, you literally just have to, I, I, I like, I mean, Trout is on the trend of insane levels, but. And also um, Travis, I'll I'll add something that they keep showing during like the angels games is trout. um, Up until last season that was shortened. Trout was, um, had like the most war in his career for his age, right? Yeah. He was he was leading all time in like war for a 25-year-old, war for a 26-year-old, and all the way up. And I think the second place always was Cobb. Yeah. And Cobb just surpassed him recently because of the 60-game season and the injury this yeah. year. So obviously that's going to be that's going to take yeah. a bit of a ding on Trout's career numbers. You mentioned like is he going to reach 160? Is he going to reach 100? War like we don't know, but. Yeah. At the end of the day, he was for sure hurt by these last two seasons, uh, injury and COVID shortened. Um, hopefully, his career can be free of those you know hindrances going yeah. forward. But um, at the end of the day, Travis, I don't really care where his war ends up. I know it's, no, it'd, yeah. it'd be awesome if he's top three or whatever, but I know how good he is at his peak at producing. Uh, I think he's one of the best mental players but, ever. But so. that's a good stat. He said the war 162. I mean, you literally, you're like, you could literally play – 12 seasons but if you put together this war for 12 seasons it's kind of just that like means it was the best 12 yeah, seasons yeah so yeah, yeah no um good stuff there i mean yeah i mean it, you, you're you're comparing someone that like you said still has the career in the book to write ty cobb is our best he's comparing, written that book 100 years ago we're comparing the first hall of famer to a guy who's only played 10 years exactly exactly so um very good list i mean outfield is just stupidly of just dangerous yeah. Everywhere. So um that is the starting nine. Alex, we'll move now to the bench. Um, I'll give you my bench and then of course give me yours and we can talk about it. Give me your bench. Um starting off on the bench, I have Yogi Berra. He's gonna be, of course, a guy that comes in in case for Pudge. Second, I have Jimmy Fox, guy that can play catcher first and third. I think also had a little bit of outfield time as well in his career. So he honestly plays a lot of different spots. Mm-hmm. Third, I had Nap. La Joie. La Jolie. Beautiful. No. For <laughs> us, no the, the first one. Nap La Jolie. No, stop. There's no L. And then <laughs> it's there. It's silent. Uh, and then the last two, Tris Speaker and Mr. Mike Trout. Okay. Mike Trout is going to be on this list, of course, Alex. I think like what you said perfectly. I mean, he's trending in the right direction and I don't think we know 
what we're being treated to with this player. I mean, I think we kind of got lost last year with Shohei, rightfully so. Shohei had the best season probably of all time. But I don't think people really still comprehend when you look at overall history. And we've been doing so much history this past year, I think, with this podcast. But I think when you look at it, it's just like, it's just not many guys that do what he does. And it's it's just like, it's it's a little, I don't know. It's just, it's hard to explain. It, it's, it's crazy to think about. So, well put. I'll go over my bench now. I can have a Mike Trout appreciation episode, so. Well, yeah, one day we'll just come on and rant for two hours about about how much we love Trout. I mean, we're watching, we're watching someone that, yeah, we're watching stupid right now. Yeah, um, and we can't win eighty five freaking games. It's, it, it, it's painful. It's painful. All right, give me your bench. Fox is the easy pick for me. Fox, yep. he first of all he platoons with uh, Garrig. Well, he's going to be one of the best right handed bats off the bench of all time. Uh, for a lefty bat off the bench, I do have Brett. So you had Brett starting. I really I like him off the bench in a role to pinch hit. Uh, he can platoon with Ripken if needed and shove a right over, kind of like how you have in your starting team. Um, it's so, funny also with our team how how many I mean like even with mine how many lefties I have. You know, it's like it's you know Gehrig is on both of our teams. Mantle's true. a switch. Um, I guess you don't have Cobb, but I have Cobb and then Ruth and, and I have, Williams. And I have Barra. And Barra, yeah. So, so it's like you literally have a lot of lefties already on the team. And because of Barra being a lefty, I did want to have a righty uh, catcher with some good offense. I actually went with Carlton Fisk. So Fisk actually makes my bench. Interesting, okay. Um, if Barra was a righty, I probably would have gone Joe Maurer. But I didn't want a lefty starter, lefty bench. I went with Fisk. I like him overall as a career, and I like him as both offense and defense, and he's a righty, so you fit the bill for my team. I have Ty Cobb, of course. He's not going to go on my team Thank unnoticed. Uh, pinch runner, pinch hitter is going to be perfect in that role, I think. Also can defend for you know Ruth or Williams, or we have out there in the outfield. It can be a great pinch or pinch fielder, I guess, defensive sub. And I also do have uh, Nap Lejoie. He has to be on my team, I think. Also, Travis, platoons with Collins. Collins is a lefty, Lejoie a righty. I think Nap uh, is a great pick to be in this team. He's too similar to Collins, uh, too close, I think, to be completely snubbed away. So um, very similar benches. Or at least I'll, most of our – there are very few players that we don't agree on. Like you don't have Ripken, which is interesting. And I don't have um, – let's see. Who do I – who am I missing that you included? Speaker. Oh, speaker. Yeah, yep. that's right. So, and speaker's a great player, and uh, you know, Ripon's a great player. So, you know, very similar. Probably good to move on to uh, starting pitching. Yep, starting pitching. Uh, I'll go first, give me my five, and you give me yours. For me, starts off with Walter Johnson. Um, next, it's going to go to Lefty Grove. Then it's going to go to Roger Clemens. Then it's going to go to Pedro Martinez. And finally, it's going to round out to Nolan Ryan. So, that is my. Five, Alex. Give me who you got for your five. Walters one. I have Pedro at two. Lefty at three. Roger Clemens, and my fifth is Bob Feller. Okay. I will say very similar pitchers. I will say that Feller and Nolan is that was the debate. The first four were yeah. easy. The yeah. first four were so easy. Mm-hmm. The Feller versus Nolan, uh, completely different eras. Nolan has a longevity feller that went to war, so he missed seasons. He missed <laughs> yep. seasons. He had less seasons than he should have. Nolan had more seasons than he should have because he played for. Nolan tw- went to 20- war with his uh, shoulder. Yeah, he, he had a vendetta. He wanted to throw twenty four seasons for some reason, but uh, yeah, I think Nolan's a great pick uh, and longevity. He completely has it. A feller, honestly, 
Um, I didn't think he'd make this team, but he, I think just some of the peak numbers, a couple peak war seasons, he ended up squeezing on, um, some of, some of Nolan Ryan's best ERA plus years are actually in like these kind of shortened campaigns where he didn't pitch like the full season. Um, he didn't really have that many seasons that stood out to me as like, wow, like, you know, 10 more seasons or something. It's just longevity. Yeah. It's just longevity. So that's why I went with Feller, but tell me about why you got Ryan. uh, Yeah. Um, again, longevity. Uh, a guy that still <laughs> does not have um, any Cy Youngs to his name, which is... Uh, it I mean, is crazy, no, I think. It's crazy, but it's not also like a disgrace. I mean, he had some good seasons, but there are probably seasons where guys just edged him out. So, yep, of course, yep. I want the, I want to be fair to the guy who has the best season. Um, when you look at his career overall, he's got tons of, um, basically just tons of top Cy Young finishes. So, of course, that'll definitely help him out. But um, longevity, I just felt like he's he, he's just a, such a household name i think leading mlb all time in strikeouts 57 14 um it's a record that i i don't know who would even come close to that nope. anymore no nope. 3000 is a huge milestone you're gonna have to double that to beat this so 57 14 it's really funny how he literally leads mlb history in walks so literally the control was just always an issue with mm-hmm. him walking so many guys every single game but then also he leads the mlb in all-time history in hits per nine so he's walking but he's also giving up zero hits practically seven no hitters in his career i think that's also a huge huge um boost in why i chose him as well as well as the longevity it's just kind of a funky guy where it's like if you can dial in your control you would be insane because you're not allowing any hits. Sorry, dude. He's too focused on going 104 miles per hour or it, it, whatever it was. And, so, and that's also one thing that's kind of crazy too. And that's why Feller and him honestly are both two guys to be to compare very easily to compare when it comes to you. Know, both guys just throw gas. Yeah. Uh, Nolan, of course, higher WAR, more wins, um, better better ERA. But of course, you can look at a lot of things with the ERA kind of stuff. But um, I just look at longevity. I look at, you know, just, just an insane workhorse, 27 years in the MLB pitched from 19 to 46 years old. I just think that's kind of just an insane, um, it's just insanity. So I have him as my fifth guy, Alex, um, feller, of course, you know, he's, he, you really can't, you, you mean the debate is, is such a, tight you got to get really in depth with this kind of stuff but yeah i'm um, both guys are just complete juggernauts yeah i'll just i'll just make a quick uh praise for for feller before we move on uh in his 1939 season feller put up a 9.2 base reference war the next year a 9.9 war then an 8.2 then goes to war real war not base reference war he goes to world <laughs> war ii <laughs> And then he comes back, you know, in in 1945, like four years later. But almost 46 because he only played nine games in 45. Right. So I'm gonna ignore that one. He had two WAR, but he pitched 72 innings. The next year at 10 WAR. So ignoring the time spent in World War II, it was a 9.2, a 9.9, an 8.2, and then a 10 WAR. What an insanely dominant. So you're saying every, short stretch. Every year was practically almost like an eight WAR. Every every year was. So if I if I so you can almost multiply eight times four. So if if I if I just drag uh, on base reference nineteen thirty nine that when I started to nineteen forty six when that ended, his WAR per one sixty two games was at a seven point seven, and uh, pretty much every I don't know how that I don't know why they do per they should do like per 
I don't know. That's kind of weird how they do 162 games for a starting pitcher. But anyways, yeah, Travis, pretty much he was putting up uh, nine over nine war, over nine war, over eight war, and then a 10 war to cap off that little stretch. Um, I think that that, you know, peak has to be some of the best, uh, one of the best peaks. Somehow, no Cy Young awards in that stretch. Got second, got third twice, and got sixth in Cy Young voting. I'm sure there's probably other guys who did really well, but Feller probably a bit of a snub at some point right there. Um, Travis, I love Nolan Ryan. Um, <laughs> yeah. Longevity-wise, it's 100% him. But I think peak-wise, uh, I like Feller, and that's why we got this podcast, so we can kind of yeah. explain our takes. And I think uh, I like both of our rotations. And it's interesting going back to also the war thing. Like you said, you know, easily you could add an 8 to a 9 war every season. Every season he's at war, also yeah. with the 1945 season, and you literally add practically 35 to you know probably honestly like you you literally boost that 63 and a half war to already 100 war yeah so i think that's, that's an interesting way to look at it and, and i think and i that makes sense definitely could do that and of course you can boost the innings pitch to 4,000. and you know you, you could boost almost all these stat lines to look so much better strikeouts could be honestly close to 4,000 strikeouts um it, it, it's really it's it's just crazy i honestly this is, the, this is the thing i love to do when you look at the military service and it's just like there's so many guys that just literally what would have been you, what, you what lost really would have you been. lost your mid-20s that you're probably gonna get a lot of strikeouts yeah <laughs> yeah i mean you look at the years he i mean le- leading in strikeouts every single year for the f- for four years straight and then goes to war then comes back and leads again in strikeouts just yeah. i mean it literally just picks didn't, up where did, he left off didn't leave it didn't skip a beat so that of course is the starting pitching um we always of course will get four out of five correct with both of ours and then there's always that outlier that one so um nolan ryan bob feller really hard to kind of argue both guys are just so elite but alex let's now move to the four relievers um three setup men one last closer i'll go first for me my three setup men um joe nathan billy wagner interesting little tidbit he played for the astros which they were in the nl so I do see that, but of course they moved to the AL. So guess what, Billy Wagner, you're coming to the AL. So yeah, no, we're following our rules. Yeah, no, Billy be- Wagner, setup man, Dennis Eckersley, the last setup man, Mariano Rivera is the closer. That is my four. Who do you got, Alex? It's the same four. It's Nathan. It's Wagner. It's Eck. It's Mo. I don't think I was. I thought K Rod was going to go in there. I think I, I did. I did look at it. I think Nathan. Because, Travis, I'm going to stick to my method. Yeah. I like peak dominance. I think Nathan, in his peak stretch of, like, take his, I don't know, best five straight years, something like that, it's be- it's ERA plus. It's going to be better than K-Rod. Um, K-Rod's, you know, some of his peak seasons might be up there comparable, but I think Nathan, on a rate basis, was better. I think both should be in the Hall of Fame. Um, we'll talk about that some other day. Um, <laughs> Wagner, Travis should definitely be in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. But um, yeah. we'll talk about that because uh, he's on the ballot in January. Um, Eckersley is, in my mind, he's like one of my favorite closers. Uh, I love the look and the, the vibe and the sidearm and all this kind of stuff, the mustache and everything. Um, but some of the best relief seasons ever in terms of like war, like a five-war relief season. Like you just don't see that ever. Like that's that's what a starting pitcher would do that's like an all-star. Um, he's pitching. He's pitching what, like, uh, 60 or maybe 90 innings versus like versus like 300 innings. But anyways, yeah. um, Mariano, there's no questions. Uh, 
one of the best ERA plus of all time, the best uh, most saves ever. You want clutch? You, you could want, just shower yeah. praise on him. Best in the postseason, best in the regular season, pitched for a long time, way way longer prime than Wagner and then Nathan, but was still able to be as effective, if not more. So, um, easy four, uh, probably safe to move on to the, move on to the all time MLB teams. Or do you want to compare them first? First, yeah, we'll talk about, of course, seven game series. Alex, um, who do we I, like? I think I think I see a sweep. No, no, <laughs> <laughs> stupid. Um. If I had to go for me, and this was a square off in the seven game series, Alex, I I'm probably going to be leaning. Um, you know, it's going to go six or seven. I I probably am going to be leaning towards a American League in seven. Um, I think the lineups are super super comparable. Um, I guess you can go down the line and kind of just compare both. I mean, when you look at the catching spot, of course you'll go probably bench. Um, First base, you'll go Gehrig. Second base, you'll go Hornsby. Third base and shortstop, honestly, it, it's tough. I honestly will probably maybe even lean towards like National League, but we can talk about that in our, in our all MLB. Uh, but kind of, I guess, basically just talking about the overall weakness. I think, honestly, the American League bullpen is a way more elite than the National League. The bullpen in the American League is much better. I think the starting pitching is much better. That may be a stretch. Maybe you'll say it's a little bit better. Maybe you'll say it's about tied. I think the American League starting pitching, Walter, could be the best, yeah. could be the best pitcher ever. Yeah. Pedro Martinez, probably the best prime ever. Lefty Grove has a case to be the... You know, he's definitely the best pitcher of his era from yeah. that Babe Ruth kind of era. Well, but le- he, lefty, I will say, is probably the best lefty lefty pitcher of all time, you know. Sure. So I would give him the edge over a guy like Randy in the NL. Roger Clemens, Travis, a complete freak. If you're going to ignore steroids, he is, you know, right up there with the... with. He's probably the best pitcher. Be- seven be- Cy Youngs. Better than anyone. And then Feller or Nolan Ryan, you're getting a really good inning eater to back to back things off. Compare that to the NL, uh, I just like... what I mean, Randy is really good. I don't think he's as good as lefty. Max is really good. Um, Clemens did it for way longer. Um... You know, whoever you want to compare, you want to compare Kershaw to like, I don't even know, Pedro. I'll give it a Pedro. You know, Matthewson, you know, it, it, you just go down the list. I think yeah. Matthewson loses the battle to Walter. So I think that top to bottom, I would take the AL starting staff, the AL bullpen, um, and the bats are probably pretty comparable. Um, I could even see a slight edge to National League, um, but I think either way, the the, the offense is going to be similar. We're talking about the best of yeah. the best of the best, but the pitching, I think, is actually quite a bit of a difference, and that's just my take on it. So I would say AL. I don't know. I think it, I think it could. I don't know. It dep- it, it, it's stupid. <laughs> we're never going to know. We're, I know, I know. We're never going to know. <laughs> You're like, I don't know. I, I, think, I think it's going to go five. I'm, I'm just going to say AL and five just because I think, that, I think I think that they're better. Yeah. Um, But it's it's, you know. It's something we'll never know, yeah. and I could be proven wrong someday. No, no, yeah. Maybe we'll have some sort of weird simulation we could all just put together, and you know, it'll just give us spit us spit out one answer. But um, no, I, I again, I, I look at both sides, and I just think, of course, looking at the uh, bullpen, it's it's pretty elite when it comes to Nathan Wagner, Eck, and then Mo. It's it's hands down. I think the nationally was a little bit up for grabs when you look at like Hoffman, Kimbrel. Uh, Suter and also um, 
Jansen. And like you said, with Chapman too, it's kind of just like, uh, you know, it's kind of like here and there. I mean, I think that the American League is just flat out like these are just bona fide deadly arms coming out of the pen. And they, they all pitch in different arm angles pretty much. It's like Billy Wagner and Dennis Eckersley are going to be complete different like side angles. So, um, and of course, lefty and righty pitching. But um, yeah, I think, of course, I think we both agree with the American League being just a little more deadlier. Tristan, I think the National League, um, the, the bullpen, we both agree that the AL is better. I think the National League bullpen, I don't know, I just have this thought. I think, I feel like in like, if he stays in the same team, I think in like 10 years, I think Hater's going to be on this team. Honestly, th- you, you you bring a good point, yeah. I, I think Hater's peak years, uh, they match up with Suter, they match up with Jansen and, and Chapman, and you had uh, Hoffman. Yeah. Um, and just the, just the way he pitches and, and, and his arm angle, I think you're completely correct with that. Yeah. Um, and so the fact that that's kind of a vulnerable list kind of says something to me. I feel like the AL list is like not very vulnerable. I think like no, these are... Right. I mean, Wagner, Eck, and Mo are just this elite three that's going to be hard to touch. And then Nathan is like someone who, uh, you know, we'll see how he does in the Hall of Fame ballot in the upcoming years. But, um, yeah, I think it's a super, like, locked-in four that's not going to get touched for a while. But um, I think that pretty much wraps that up. We can now discuss our all-time MLB teams, pretty much the combinations. All the marbles. The combination of, of the AL and the NL. And, you know, anything we might uh, disagree on, I'm excited to discuss. So um, how about I start us off? I don't like that. At the easiest position <laughs> to decide, which is going to be Johnny Bench is the catcher. Johnny Bench is the catcher. Um, really no question about that. It's funny because, like, some of these things, like, some people might disagree, right? There are some Yankee fans who are going to say Bear is better. There are some, like, I'm, I guarantee you there's some, you know, Canadian out there that thinks Gary Carter is better. Yeah, you know, yeah. and there are people um, probably saying like, "Oh, Piazza is better because you know you look at hitting only, and you know, right? Piazza has the most home runs from a catcher." So, and I, I just want to, you know, I think we'd be we'd be remiss to kind of gloss over and say it's 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 an easy lock. We agree it's an easy lock. We want to kind of explain why, even though we agree, uh, the WAR per one sixty two for Johnny Bench Travis is five point six. No other catcher. Uh, that we've been discussing Carter, Rodriguez, Fisk, Piazza, Barra, Maurer. Uh, none of those guys are above five. Um, so there's a quite a big lead there. Johnny Bench leads in war. He leads in jaws. Carter surprisingly best war seven of any catcher, which is really surprising, mm. but I think it's cause he was a good all around player. Um, but yeah, I think you combine the power, you know, Johnny Bench, a one twenty six OPS plus, that's better than all these guys uh, besides uh, Piazza. And he's going to bring the defense, and he's on a winning team. Um, he played for a long time. I think it's pretty, pretty clear. Two MVPs as well also is going to help you. So, um, yeah, I think bench makes uh, too much sense. Definitely, definitely. Um, when you, It's funny how when he starts his career off, um, I, I'm not sure which college you went to, but the best catcher in college baseball right now, you get the Johnny Bench Award. It's yep. just funny that – his whole entire life, he's been elite. Yep. So, you know, you get awards named after you almost every level you go at. So, uh, Johnny Bench is the catcher. Uh, really no question about that. Alex, um, right side, first and second, Gary Hornsby. Uh, I think we've been kind of mentioning this as we go along for our National and American League. We've kind of been getting hints. But Gehrig and Hornsby, um, for a good time, I was, I was really thinking Pujols. I really thought Pujols was a guy. I think Pujols is prime his first 10 years or his stint with the Cardinals. 
is up there with any other prime or great of all time. Um, and Lou Gehrig, of course, being longevity, had almost the same numbers as you know his whole career, not just a prime. So you look at the whole career of Lou Gehrig, and then also, um, I know I think Lou Gehrig, we, we also shared some crazy stats. You know what he's able to do while he's also battling ALS. He's able to put up hitting numbers that Pools was not able to put up in the last 10 years. Yeah, and, and this is the season where all of his muscles are being depleted. And yeah, yeah I, I mean, insane. Somehow Gehrig aged better despite the illness, which is just crazy <laughs> to think. But, but, but Travis, yeah, I mean, uh, I get what you, yeah, you used, to, I, I agree. You used to say Pools, you thought was like the number one first baseman. Um, I'm glad that you kind of, you know, saw a new perspective. I think that's really cool. Glad you've come from the dark side of the. Yeah. I mean, I, I I think I think it's great when when you know people uh you know change their perspective, which we do a lot with baseball because we're always kind of studying new stuff. But um, yeah, interesting comparison between Gehrig and Pools. Pools actually has more top five MVP finishes. Pools has finished top five in MVP ten times. Gehrig only eight, which is kind of interesting. But top five in WAR for a season, Gehrig's at twelve and Pools is at eight. So I do think that uh, the numbers. War backs up Gehrig. The offense, it backs up Gehrig. The peak OPS plus years are better for Gehrig. The career OPS plus is better for Gehrig. Pools in his prime is probably a better fielder, but uh, I think it's marginal. And at first base, first base doesn't matter that much at all. You want a slugger, yeah. And Gehrig's the guy for sure. So I'm glad we agree. Um, unfortunately, Fox. I think Fox and Pools. It is a real discussion. Um, but I I'm okay with giving it to Pools right now. Um, you know, if we have a second place conversation someday, we can, we can hash that out. But, um, yeah, I think Garrick was, was the pick. I agree. So, um, Hornsby Travis, I think he's the best second baseman ever. I don't think it's that close. I think, you know, other dead ball guys get kind of, kind of close like Knapp and Eddie Collins, who we mentioned earlier, but I think Hornsby was consistently leading, uh, his league in pop, um, which as a second baseman, something you never see. Yeah. For a second baseman, a righty hitter just to be mashing in the National League during that time, being the kind of NL infielder version of Babe Ruth, was putting up un- insane numbers. Um, I don't know if we'll ever see a second baseman. You know, he led he led the National League in OPS plus one, two, three, four, five, six, seven straight years, and then took an off year and did it three more times. So. Whenever, I don't think we'll ever see a second baseman dominate offensively his his league Not at all. ever again. So uh, he's the pick for sure. Um, that pretty much wraps that up, I think, right side. Definitely. We will now, um, yeah, moving to the left side, Alex. This is going to be the shortstop in the third base spot. Um, really interested to see who you got on this. For me, I went with Honus Wagner, shortstop, third base, Mike Schmidt. That is my left side. Who do you got? I have. Don't say it. Honus Wagner and Mike Schmidt. <laughs> so we agree still. We're still perfect. Travis, I do think if I look at the numbers, I think A-Rod's numbers are better than Mike Schmidt's numbers. I think that's true. I think looking at the war, it's better. Looking at the peak war seasons, it's better. Hormone total was better. You know, a lot of stuff is better. Um, the defense for Schmidt will probably be better, even though Erod was good himself. Um, but what I will say is Arod failed drug tests and Arod yep. switched positions. Um, 
he has a blurry uh, historical footprint on the game, right? It's yep. it's complicated mm-hmm. when it comes to A-Rod. With Schmidt, it's easy. One of the best players to ever do it uh, without question. Uh, and, and I think also just being a complete great fielder too. I mean, you're almost looking at like a Brooks Robinson with great hitting playing third base. So I think that's definitely, if, if Schmidt was an okay fielder, um, I think that that would be somewhat of a, okay, maybe you can take a deeper dive, but I think Schmidt definitely, um, locks himself in when it comes to like just being a pure great glove at the hot corner. So, um, that's another reason I have Schmidt too. Yeah. So Schmidt, I mean, uh, a defensive guru for sure. Underrated defender. Um, really towards the top of defensive war for third baseman. He is behind some guys like Beltre, like Brooks Robinson, um, Aaron Nado. Oh, that's Roland. Yeah. Roland uh, is ahead of him. Nettles. I'm trying to find Aaron Nado on here. I'm sure I was close or past him, but um, either way, Aaron Nado has not yet passed him, but we'll probably pass him soon. Um, but yeah, I think that Schmidt is, you know, an elite defender. 7.2. War per 162 is a great figure to be at for sure. Um, I just know that A-Rod has the better war and the better war seven by quite a bit. So I think as a player, I would rate A-Rod as more inner circle, more elite player by the numbers strictly. But um, Schmidt, I think it's, you know, he makes it easy. He doesn't complicate it at all. He's a third baseman tried and true, and he played it clean. I also like how he's a kind of a modern hitter in the wrong era. He didn't really have a good batting average. 267 in the career. He didn't care. He had a great on base, a great slugging. He had brought the power, the home run totals. He brought the walks, the on base. Uh, it's just great. It's elite. It's it's greatness. Um, Travis, Hornsby. Why do you have him over A-Rod? Give me your thoughts. Hornsby or Honus? I'm sorry. Honus Wagner. Honus Wagner. Wagner um, versus A-Rod. Oh, at shortstop. Yes. Um, you know, I think when it comes down to Honus, uh, he is another guy that is kind of like the Ty Cobb. Everything is, everything is bold. Everything is italicized on his stat line page. Uh, I mean, when you have a career OPS plus of 151, that right there, I think, is such a huge advantage compared to anyone else. I know his dead ball era. Um I just like everything that he brought to the table. I'm not going to pound him for just being only hitting 101 home runs in his career. No, he brought doubles fine. and also hits to his uh, stat line. And of course, um, just, I guess the respect of everything that he brought 130.8 war. Um, he had a 21.3 defensive war in his career. Um, and of course, you know, I, I, I think just being, the old timer he was, I give him a lot of respect too. But just like I said, looking at the baseball reference, all the bolded, the career war, um, everything he brings to the table, it's it's unbelievable. So I think Honus is just a more fine-tuned shortstop that I want to have on this team to make every play and to at least, you know, be the kind of player he is. It's funny because I do agree that I have, you know, I have Wagner over A-Rod. But I do think that if I had to create, like, the dream player... yeah. It's probably a rod. It's like this well, five it, tool shortstop who's like six four, but still fast. Like it, it's literally almost like like Tatis right now that we're watching, and who knows yeah. what we will see with Tatis in fifteen years. I mean, could he be on this list? Could he be shortstop? Yeah, definitely. It, it, it's crazy to see that 
A-Rod is literally the guy. It's just crazy to think that, like you said, the the steroids just tainted, I think, so much of what people thought of him. And then also playing third base is another thing as well. Switching positions, it's two big factors, I think, that are just kind of like, uh, I, I can't have you at shortstop for these two reasons. And, and I hate to penalize him for the positional change. I just think that... Um like I said, the steroids complicates things. Uh, Wagner is better in terms of war, war seven, uh, war per 162. So the value stats like him. The OPS plus likes him. Uh, obviously, Aaron has the home runs by by a, a landslide, but that doesn't really matter um, when it comes down to, I think, how good you were. It's funny. You look at the Arod led baseball in war five times. Homes only did it twice, but Arod was top five in war 10 times and Honus was top 10 sorry top five 11 times um so Honus was top five and top 10 in war more often so um i feel like Honus wagner was just um towards the top of baseball for more years as the way i put it i guess so um i think it's a really interesting conversation you're comparing a 21st century player to a guy who started his career in 1987 or 1887 so um eight, 1897 um but yeah, I think it's that's a fascinating discussion. Um, a Rod, I think, is right behind Wagner, and in my mind, he might even be above Schmidt by the numbers. But it's um, yeah. it's so close that I'm gonna give it to the clean guy, um, the guy with no you know smudge, smudges on You're the resume. You're giving the Flying Dutchman. The Flying Dutchman gets the nod. I'm just gonna put it that way. <laughs> but yeah, that pretty much wraps up the infield, I believe, Travis. Uh, probably good to move the outfield now. Everything so far uh, on point for our list. Um, I'm excited to see if that's gonna maintain. I know. I, I I don't know. So we'll do outfield, and we'll do, of course, the DH as well. So give you the four. Um, Alex, give me your three and DH. <laughs> so there's there's two guys that could be outfielder or DH. Yeah. Um, I went ahead and have Williams in the outfield. You could argue it should be wow. Ruth. Okay. Uh, I don't think there's any way to know who's a better defender. They. You know, Ruth in the 20s in right field. How good of a defender was he actually? We'll never know. Yeah. He was using an oven mitt to catch the ball. Yeah. Um, either way, Williams makes my team in the outfield. Willie Mays makes my team in the outfield. Mickey Mantle makes my team in the outfield. And Ruth is my DH. Give me your four. So Mays makes my outfield. Ruth makes my outfield. Ty Cobb makes Knew my it. outfield. <laughs> And Ted Williams second. will make my DH spot. Um, it's funny how you literally can compare, you know, Williams and Ruth are going to be the DH or the outfielder. It's just like, which one do you want to put? But um, yeah, I mean, it, it's it's a good comparison. I mean, Mantle and Cobb, they are, um, I, they're, they're similar, but they're also just completely different they're, players. They're, yeah, there's some apples and oranges to, their, to what they bring to the table, I agree. Um, I think with me, Alex, I just... With what I love about Cobb is, in my opinion, he is just the all-time most perfect leadoff guy that I can like think of. I just, I just love a guy that is going to have insane speed, insane batting average, insane uh, on-base percentage, and you know, get on base for these guys that are going to be coming up next in the lineup. So um, that's my main reasoning for Cobb. I think looking at the lineup, I've, I've always been, I, you know me, I'm, I've, I'm a huge Ty Cobb guy i think he's honestly one of the best that ever played the game looking at the war too i think his uh i think actually his uh all-time war is going to be fourth all-time 
in out of position players. So it is fourth of all time out of position players. One hundred only only uh, only four guys in MLB history have reached one hundred and fifty uh, WAR or higher. So that is Ty Cobb, and of course the other three are Mays, Ruth, and Bonds. So um, I guess you know with Mantle. It just it, it came down to the health. Health was not there 100% for him. Of course, with having just kind of a bum knee his whole career and was still able to put together that season. It's kind of crazy if he would have, of course, never got hurt with the with the knee injury. And then, of course, I think later on in his career, a lot of bit battles with, I think, I, I don't know if it was drugs or if it was just strictly alcohol, but just substance abuse issues later on in his career. Um, it, was, it was definitely a struggle for him. And it's just crazy to think if his knee was healthy and his uh abuse never really if his mind was clear yeah if his mind was clear and focused on baseball what what the what the limits would be for this guy because like you said he was on our list a couple uh like a month ago for the all-time greatest batting or batting baseball seasons of all time he was on my top five list um in that 1956 season so it's kind of just crazy to think about what we uh what, we, what what really could have been if it was a full health career for mantle so so I'll just give my kind of thoughts on the on the debate between those two. Um, it's funny we actually also uh, we we we. Uh, I'm gonna get there. I know what you're gonna yeah. say. I'm gonna get there. <laughs> um, I read I read your mind, and actually you read you read, you read my mind. I had was looking at it just now, but um, uh, OPS plus for the whole career, Mantle's at 172, uh, Cobb is at 168, um, and some of Mantle's peak seasons I think are just are just too incredible, um. Some of the on-base numbers and slugging, or the on-base and the average are going to be lower. Of course, the average will be lower because, you know, the eras. But the on-base numbers are going to be lower for Mantle. I think a lot of that is because of, um, you know, playing up into the 60s when you have this kind of, you know, offense really slowing down. Uh, guys like, you know, Gibson and Seaver, these guys are coming on in a big way and kind of affect baseball the way they um, had to change the rules uh, of the game to kind of accommodate for the era. But, um Charles, I think Mickey Mantle, uh, obviously he has the bum knee, he has the injured knee. Um, his first season World Series, tripped in the sprinkler, like tore his ACL and MCL and like ripped his knee apart, <laughs> which is just a crazy way to start your That's Hall- sprinkler. It's a crazy way to start a Hall of Fame career. Um, but uh, does have a worse war than Cobb. Does have a worse war seven, a worse war per 162. So I understand there's an argument for Cobb. But according to somehow defensive war, they say Mantle's better. I don't know how they measure Cobb's defensive war because he's playing in the 1900s, but <laughs> yeah. someone somehow made an equation to measure that, and um, good for them. But uh, Travis, Ka- or Mantle was uh, number one in war in MLB uh, more times than Cobb was. He was top five more times than Cobb was. Um, he has more MVPs, which MVP in those early eras, I don't really factor that much because Ruth has like what, like one or two. It's like, doesn't make any sense. He should have like 20, but, but, um, yeah, Charles, at the end of the day, I think I would take Mantle as the better hitter. Um, defender is probably pretty similar Mantle, I think more five tool. I like getting five tool guys in my starting lineup because they can contribute in more ways. I think I like your leadoff guy argument. I just have a difference of opinion of what I want in my leadoff guy. I don't think I need the fastest guy batting leadoff. I think I just need the guy who's going to get on base the most. Cobb, a great on-base percentage, so I'm not going to knock that at all. But, um, yeah, I think at the end of the day, Travis, two legends, and there's one guy we both left off of our outfield. And we can talk about that in our bench. So I'll go ahead and give you my bench. You give me your bench, and we'll discuss. Perfect. 
Starting off. Six players, correct? Six players in this okay. MLB bench. First off, I have a catcher. I went with Barra. He platoons with bench well, lefty versus righty. He's got the clubhouse atmosphere. <laughs> he's, <laughs> yeah. he's got that vibe to him. Yep. I'm not really factoring that in, really. I just kind of fun. No, to point, I know. Yeah, kind of fun yeah. to point out the championships. He has ten rings, most ever. If you had to put these guys in the locker, good to have him yeah. on a bench. You know, yeah. he's gonna know a thing or two about winning the series, um, at least. But yeah, Barra, Ali's gonna be a lefty bat, a good contact hitter for a catcher. Could pinch it for bench in a pinch, and also you know sub in if needed. Um, for any, can even pinch run from if needed. But um, I'm gonna have a few outfielders on this team on this bench. I have Hank Aaron. I have Ty Cobb, and I have Barry Bonds. Barry Bonds, the the dark horse that we just both did not have in our starting lineups, and we'll talk about that in a second. Um, also on my team, two more spots. I go with Jimmy Fox. Plays first, third, can catch if needed, outfield if needed. Uh, platoons with Gehrig. Uh, you know, I think he can fit in well with the team. Uh he, him, and a- him and Hank Aaron are going to be the go-to guys as righties off the bench, um, and then I have A Rod as well. I think A Rod is going to give a lot of value because you can play a lesser of the infield uh, as well as you know first base even if needed. Um, I think my team, uh, I wanted f- uh, three righties, three lefties on the bench, and you know I got that done with Fox, A Rod, and Aaron as the righties, Cobb, Bonds, Barra as lefties. Um, I like my team a lot. Give me your six. And we'll discuss, you know, the elephant in the room. Yeah. So Barry Lamar. Uh, <laughs> so I, uh, I, I honestly, with with righties and lefties, I kind of just steered away from that because honestly, That's in my fine. opinion, greatness is greatness. Greatness is greatness. They don't care who's pitching; they're going to hit the ball out of the ballpark. Um, so starting off at the first bench spot, I went Mike Piazza. So okay. Mike Piazza, in my opinion, is um, I think he's a top three catcher of all time. I think having him as a backup for hitting is very, very crucial um, with what he's able to provide. He can honestly come in and be a pinch hitter for uh, a catcher, a first baseman, or a DH. But Piazza is going to be my first bench spot. Uh, second bench spot I'm going to have is Jimmy Fox. So actually had a huge kind of sit down with Fox or Pujols. Um, I still rank Pujols second all-time number two at first base. But Fox, in my opinion, being versatile and also I think what he'll bring to the table um, in a pinch hit situation, I like it a little more. So Fox is going to be on my bench. I like that. Then I have my two kind of dark history people. <laughs> that shouldn't be racist at all, but Tell me about I, it. I have my guys that really tainted, uh, not, not just kind of tainted baseball, A-Rod and Barry Bonds. Yeah. They're on my bench. I had to include them. They're all-time greats, but we have an interesting conversation coming up in January about Hall of Fame status with these guys. A-Rod playing left side extremely well, shortstop and third base. Barry Bonds playing, honestly, probably outfield every outfield spot, so he is going to be on it. I have next, are my last two picks are going to be outfielders as well. Hank Aaron, who, of course, I think easily is going to be on that. Last pick. Mike Trout, and I know. I'll, wow! Look at the I'll look at the eye roll. I I I went with either Trout or Mantle, and I said to myself, you know what? I think Trout right now is just already trending in a higher elevated status than Mantle. I'm going to put him on this list. It's it's kind of a 
yeah, it's 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 kind of just a go get him kid kind of kind of situation where, uh, yeah, I mean, he, like you said, with the oh, with the American League team, um, what he's done already, I I have I just don't know what to say much about Mike Trout, what he's been able to do. So, uh, that is going to be my bench: Piazza, Fox, Rodriguez, Bonds, Trout, Aaron. Remind me where you had Trout on the AL team. AL team, he was on my bench. So he so, makes the bench for both teams. And Mantle went from starter to uh, gone with the wind. Yep. Mantle went from starter to gone in the wind. Uh, and okay. basically that's just because. I got I to gotta live with that. Um, yeah. No, no. And, and it's it's kind of a, I guess it's kind of a confusing way to look at it. Um, that that team really honestly stayed the same with Cobb, Ruth, Williams being in those uh, spots for the outfield in DH. And then for the AL um, I just think that Trout is going to be utilized. It's funnier though because Mantle's a switch hitter, so honestly, yeah. you'd like to have that on the bench. But I just think with Trout, Trout probably a better back stealer, depending yeah. which Trout you're getting. But. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But I think that with Trout, um, you're going to look at it when time is done, and he will. I think a lot of his numbers will be better than Mantle. So I think I think that that's a fair assessment um, between like projecting Trout's future. Um, so let's talk about a few things first. Quickly, Fox versus Pools. I love what you said. Um, I agree that versatility off the bench for Fox is favored. I also think Pools is best used for uh, calling the bullpen, as, as we saw him in the uh, NLCS. Karras, so. he's, he's best used. Karras, I'm he's, actually. He's he's. Uh, is there a hugs uh, position on uh, this? <laughs> you beat me to the you beat me to the joke. I was gonna say I'm gonna, I'm gonna put a seventh bench spot for when Mays hits a home run and Pools can give him a hug in the dugout. But uh, I put a Tio spot on the bench. But Charis, Charis, if you go on Baseball Reference right now. And you go to Pulse's page. They added a new nickname. It says T.O. Albert. Did you know that? Jesus it, Christ! It is now official on Baseball Reference. Oh, but, but but anyways, um, I love what you said about the Fox Fox Pools debate. Um, you have A. Rod for sure above him. I am not as sure. I might agree. I have to do more research in my mind. But I think that the peak seasons of Fox I like a bit better. Plus, he can play third or catcher if needed. I mean, Albert can too. But Albert's defense really kind of, you know. At the beginning was really good and it fell off kind of quickly. I think yep. um, Fox probably a bit more of an athlete. I would assume uh, in his you know middle years. And then um, A Rod, or sorry, Mike Trout versus Mantle is a really interesting debate. Um, it's a debate that I didn't think I needed to have yet, just because um, I just think that Trout. Uh, I think that he'll be here. I think that'll be here. I just don't have him here yet. Um, and that's fine because you're saying he will be here. So that's why he's on your team. I'm just saying that um, I'm only going to put him once I think he's here. I'm not sure who I'll take off my bench when he's ready. Um, you took off Mantle. I can tell you I'm not going to take off Mantle uh, for, <laughs> unless something, unless, you know, I don't even know if unless Acuna becomes Man, and I think the next thing, maze. But. I think Mantle is unique in a way because he's a switch hitter and that's what makes him so like, Okay, you're not just getting one side of the plate; you're getting both sides of the plate, and you're getting greatness from both sides you, of the plate. You're, so you're getting five tools, both sides of the plate. Yeah, people say he's one of the fastest players of all time. Yeah, yeah. down the line, yeah. especially so. in the lefty batter's box. Uh, you know, you're playing center field; you're doing it all. But um, yeah, I think that it's a fun discussion. Mantle and Trout. Right now, Trout has a slight edge in OPS plus. Excited to see how that. Uh, continues obviously i hope that Trout continues to increase his you know ops plus numbers his average base numbers yeah, yeah um but yeah it's it's definitely a fun comparison i feel like i would cut Cobb or aaron before i would cut uh 
Mickey Mantle, but that's just me. That's why we have different lists. Um, Travis, the other. So Aaron, we agree. He's a great guy to fill in. Going to be a great right-handed bat off the bench. Good defense as well. Can play first base too if needed. Um, also, uh, Barra versus um, Piazza. I have the platoon. You have the better hitter. So it yeah. just, you know, that, that's fine. No problems there. Um, let's talk A Rod and, and let's talk uh, let's talk Barry Bonds. So um, we covered A Rod a lot already, so no, no, don't need to go too much in depth on him. The steroids have kind of tainted his legacy, and there's other great options at his position. Um, a Rod is inner circle, but Bonds is more than inner circle. Bonds is the best player Bonds is ever. Circle. Bonds is <laughs> Bonds is the point in the middle. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Bonds and Bonds and Babe Ruth are are the point in the middle. I mean, I, I think I think they bon- don't get much five more five tool than that. I, th- I think what Bonds six tool. <laughs> yeah, I think I think what Bonds was able to uh, do factoring in the steroids. I think it makes him the best player ever. If you ignore the steroids, we both chose to not ignore the steroids. We both chose to kind of think about it a little bit. Charles, I will say at first I had Williams. Mantle, Ruth, and Bonds. I cut Maze. Yeah. And I had Aaron. I was going to be a little upset. Yeah. I had Aaron and Maze on my bench. And I was just like, <sighs> something seems wrong about this. I think that prime Maze on this team is going to give me more as a starter than, than Bonds. Even though Bonds, steroid Bonds is going to be the best plate presence of all time. Yeah. Um, I imagine just having Ruth protected by Bonds. Yeah. So imagine that. Like, I mean, this is stupid. It'll never happen. But that would just be in a lineup that just doesn't even make. It, there's no way to even approach it. But Charles, I think the five tooliness of Maze um, edged out Bonds just barely for me. And I think that is because I think there is a version of Maze that was good at everything. Right. Yeah. You're getting the best of everything all at once. Bonds that never really happened. His best on base and home run years. He wasn't that fast anymore. No, not that good at defense. His best defense in stealing years, he was in 30 home runs. So if you're going to pick one version of Bonds to be in this team, you can go a lot of different directions and say who's best. But you're not going to get the five-tool guy, in my yeah. mind at least. So that's yeah. kind of one way I looked at it too. Um, but tell me about why you have Bonds on the bench. Um, tell me about why uh, he didn't make the cut for your starting team, even though his numbers say he probably should be. Yeah, no, I mean, him and A-Rod, I mean... You look away from the steroids, they're both on the team. I mean, they are both inner circle. They are the they are the dot, like you said. Um, I just think that this was their... I, I, I don't want to say this is their way of punishment, but I just feel like this is their way of being not on the tier of... Not like on the starting lineup with these guys. I just think that with everything that was involved in their careers and everything that they went through with just, I mean... Just what, just all the controversies. I think that it had to warrant that they are going to be um, not on an all-time team. I know a lot of people would definitely say, you know, there's no way, and there's no way possible. Like that's not, you know, that's not true at all. You know, I, I really wonder what their career marks would have looked like without steroids. I really wonder what Bonds finishes with home runs if he never what they say took the cream and took the clear um all i can tell you Jarvis, is it's not 750 whatever it's, it, it's, it's not yeah 762 he's not he's not passing aaron though. he's not passing aaron um you play in a ballpark that is the hardest hitting ballpark in major league baseball it's sea level um you're not playing i mean what what, what i love to see is all the stuff where if he played at coors oh, 900 yeah. home runs i yeah. mean shattering 
but you play at a stadium that is so hard to hit home runs. Um, it, it, I just, I, I love to see what it would look like if, you know, you had that Pittsburgh Pirates Barry going over and playing and looking like that, looking like D Gordon for his entire career, you know, you are definitely hitting probably, you know, probably 600 home runs. I, I, I would be confident that he could probably hit 600 home runs. I mean, he was like a good 30 some a year. Yeah. Um, so if you do that by 20, yeah, he could get there. And I think that when you look at that and then you look at Mays, I think that, like you said, Mays put it together all at like one time. He put yep. 50 home runs in a season together. He put stolen bases in a season together. He put the glove every single season. Um, I think that that's just kind of an easy thing to look at. And then, of course, like you said with A-Rod, um, I think it, it, it sucks to say it, but I think switching positions is something that is going to hurt him when you look at all-time shortstops or third baseman. It, it's sad to say, but it's going to hurt him. And then, of course, also everything that he was going through um, in those, you know, years and all the allegations and the multiple failed drug tests. I think that, um, that they just, I, I think the second one really did it for him. I think it was in 2013 and he lied about it as well. Um, like even with a straight face saying, I have never done it before. That is insane. And then of course he fails and it's kind of just like, we're, we're never, we never are probably supposed to take your word from from you ever again, pretty much. So, um, it'll be fun in January. Yeah, I'm excited to have a full steroid discussion because um, it's not just these two guys, obviously. Yeah. Sosa, have to talk about him. Yep. Other guys are kind of like rumored, like Sheffield. Um, Poppy was in a test at one point, a, a, a positive list at one point. Um, Charis, it's going to be fun to talk about. Uh, I like what you said. I don't view this as a punishment for them. I just, and I, the thing is, Travis, I don't really want to punish Bonds for getting steroids because he was the best player in baseball. And then all of a sudden, Sosa and Maguire started breaking these records. And he's like, I'm better than these guys. They're cheating, and no one cares. They know it, and no one – the league is letting it happen. Yeah, yeah. So I'm just going to do what they're doing. The whole the whole system was kind of corrupt. So, so yeah, w w when the guys who are breaking the records are being allowed to break the records, I don't, I'm not going to criticize him for doing that. But I just do think it puts his numbers in a different context. Yeah. Um, I look at the crazy home run totals the 70 plus home runs in a season. I look at the, you know, 762, like you said, career homers. Um, it's just, it's there, there is a bit of an asterisk um, on the resume. So um, because of that, yeah. uh, he makes the bench. Yeah. And, and it's funny to look at, you know, 2001, 73 homers in a ballpark that you're not supposed to hit a lot of home runs at. Very windy. <laughs> Very, yeah. I, I think I looked at a stat one time, and I think that playing in San Francisco, there has only been, it's 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 a low number. And if you, if you sub out bonds, there's only been, I think it's honestly maybe two, if not three hitters that have had, it might be 40 home run seasons. Jeff wow. Kent's one of them. And I think maybe McCovey's another one of them. But it's just, it's such a low number. And this guy had multiple 40, so many 40 home run seasons and then he had a 73 home run season um it's just insane but you're, but you're right about the whole thing about you know he sees all these guys doing it and you know he sees a guy like griffey getting so much media publicity when bonds is putting better numbers in you know he's doing better in uh in pittsburgh and then early parts in in um in san francisco and i think it, it was like the 98 season is when it kind of everything started when he started, of course, bulking up, and that's when you just see this 
you look at pictures, it's just, it's not even funny. It's just a superhuman guy for what he's able to do. But I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it's a, it's a really crazy sports debate that will be a lot of fun. So, and, and Charles, I will also just, just, just for complete, you know, I guess, uh, we're going to continue this conversation. Clemens is on the ballot. We have to see how we handle this guy for the rotation. Yep. Um, I will say I think A Rod and Bonds are not in the same category because A Rod cheated after there was already known consequences. Yeah. They yeah. said if you cheat, you will get suspended. It's kind of like Cano. Guys started getting suspended, and he still said I'm going to do this. Yeah. And he got yeah. in trouble. Yeah. So um, I think it is a difference. It's a, it's a it's a distinction, but both are too good to not make the bench. I think so. Yeah. Um, yeah. I had to I had to make them on this team. They had to be on this team. Um, that's how good they are. That, that's how much respect I have for them. But they're just not going to be on the starting list. So our only differences overall is you have Mantle off, Cobb starting, Trout bench. bench, and I have Trout off, Mantle starting, Cobb on bench, and then different backup catcher. But besides that, almost the exact same. So it almost. just shows how these guys we're talking about are in a class of their own above the rest kind of because we yeah. agreed without discussing it beforehand. But Travis, good time to move on to starting pitching. I'll go first. How about that? I like that. It's going to be interesting. It's very difficult deciding <laughs> who to leave off. In my mind, there was a big six, um, and I had to leave off the sixth guy. Yep. So I went with Walter Johnson, Pedro Martinez, Lefty Grove, Greg Maddox, and Roger Clemens. That's my team. Oh, was, say it again one more time. Walter Johnson... Pedro, Lefty, Greg Maddox, and Roger Clemens. Roger Clemens, okay. Give, give me your five. So my five is going to be Walter Johnson, Lefty Grove, Christy Mathewson, Randy Johnson, and Greg Maddox. So I have decided that I will leave off Clemens, and I will slightly lead off, leave off Pedro Martinez. And I know you're, you are... You are shaken. So Travis knows I'm a big Pedro fan, so let's let's start there. So, <laughs> so actually, no, sorry. Let's start with the guys who we agree on, so we can get them out of the way yeah. and give them their credit. Yeah. Walter Johnson, we have, we both have them both in the A spot. Best pitcher of all time. Um, it's hard to if those might not might not even ever heard of him. Dead ball era pitcher, Fullerton High School legend, and he just was a crazy workhorse. 110 strikeout, shutouts. Strikeout, you know, just total king. Yeah. Shutout, total just boss. Um, just best pitcher ever. Go look at his numbers. Um, <laughs> lefty Grove. Lefty Grove, we agree. Best lefty of one, all time. One of the best primes of all time. Uh, did it for a long time. Uh, didn't have any down years. Just every year was elite. Um, we both have Maddox. Yeah. Greg Maddox, um, one of the best peaks ever. I think that four-year peak is it it could be the best four-year peak of all time i used to say like kofax or someone like that i i i'm starting to think if i had to pick just four years or maybe just like a back-to-back year i think the back-to-back years maddox put up 94 95 if yeah i'm I'm double checking right now i think it really forced his way onto this team um for a while i wasn't sure about him for a while i said you know he had a really good prime and then there was a lot of these other years that were kind of meh but if I just go to the war, Travis, of those two years, I'm looking at 94, 95 year, right? Yep. 
I'm going to click those two wars. And so this is a, the third and the fourth straight Cy Young he ever won. He won 92 through 95 Cy Youngs. Travis, those two seasons, both, I think, shortened by the strike, right? Just, just 94, not it, 95. It, it didn't bleed over? Did not leave out. No, no, it did not, did not bleed over. Okay, because when I searched, hmm, for some reason, when I look at the Braves 95, it said that they were 90 and 54. So they played a uh, 144 games that was that standard back then i don't know either way they you know what it could have bleeded over for, for like, like 10 uh, games for like 10 weeks yeah, yeah two weeks or something yeah yeah, yeah. so i think uh, spring training started late maybe okay that, that that would make sense and then uh they probably just wanted to, yeah <laughs> they probably just wanted to uh threaten the players a little bit or something like that but <laughs> but travis those two seasons 94 95 not complete seasons but he put up massive war numbers from both of them if you combine those two seasons and look at his war per 162, it's 11.7. That is just like otherworldly for back-to-back years. Um, and he was hurt by the strike. It was his best yeah. pitching seasons of all time were shortened. So um, that is just really unfortunate for him. But uh, some of the best seasons of all time uh, belong to Greg Maddox when he makes my team. Um, we agree on how great he was in that in that stretch of – Late Chicago, moving to Atlanta, uh, just being great for a good like uh, six, seven years. Let's talk Pedro, Christie, Clemens. And who is it? It is going to be Randy Johnson. Randy, okay, of course. So Randy was, was when I said that I have a big six, Randy was the guy I had to leave off. Um, I just looked at Randy and Maddox, and both of them have these dominant four-year stretches of four straight Cy Youngs. I think Maddox is better. Maddox in 94 and 95 had a 271 ERA plus and then a 260 ERA plus. Those are like top 15 all-time seasons, including like dead ball guys. It's just crazy, crazy numbers. Um, it even tops some of the best performers of the 60-game season we had like uh, last year. Um, guys who are only throwing for you know, a third of a season pretty much. But Travis, uh, for me, the conversation was between Maddox, Clemens, and uh, Randy. And I left off Randy because I think that Maddox's peak seasons and Clemens' peak seasons were just better. I think that Clemens was helped by his recovery, of course. The steroids gives you a crazy recovery. But I think his stuff was was just that good. I think the numbers, I think he was just that good. Um, he shouldn't have pitched that long. That longevity he got was rigged by steroids randy's longevity was felt more legit but um i think the peak numbers by clements i gave him the nod so tell me why you had to have randy in this list and then we'll talk about like pedro christie in, in a bit yeah and actually it's funny because greg was actually the last guy on this list alex okay greg maddox was my final pick and it was looking at him it was looking at i i think for me i was i knew i was going to leave roger off I just, I knew he was off. You said there was enough guys. There's enough guys. And I wanted to keep things clean and I wanted to keep things, I guess, ethical with, I know with, you know, Clemens going to court cases, all that kind of stuff. It just sucks because you look at that seven Cy Youngs. I mean, you really can't debate much with that. Greg Maddox, I do believe, has the greatest prime of all time. I think it was him and Martinez that I was just heavily debating when it came, when it came to prime. When it comes to war, Greg Maddox has a almost a thirty WAR higher than 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 Martinez, um, more wins, um, all that kind of stuff. So I like Maddox a lot for that fifth spot. I think when it came to Randy, um, I also like to look at 
the prime of Randy and also the overall just career. Five Cy Youngs for Randy, and he won four in a row. I think that that's just right there is some flat-out insanity. I think, honestly, Randy might have had two primes. When you look at in 1993 with Seattle, going all the way to 1996 with Seattle, I'm sorry, 97 with Seattle, finished second in Cy Young, third in Cy Young, first in Cy Young, did not place in 96, 97, did not place in 96 because he got hurt. Looks like he only uh, started eight games that year. And then in 1997, back to second in Cy Young. So it's just kind of insane that he was able to put up that prime and then kind of be silenced for a little bit and then go to Arizona and put up four straight years of Cy Young's not place in 2003 and then finish second in 2004. And I just feel like you look at Randy Johnson, he literally has, he literally honestly has eight top two finishes in his career. And I just find that to be just complete insanity and pitching in the era that he pitched in. Um, I, I just really, really like that. I think that, I, I just I, I think the awards right there speak for itself that he was just every single year was literally shoving it down the NL's throat pretty much. So um, I had him there. I had Greg Maddox there. And then I think the big one, of course, that you don't have is Christie. Um, I have Christie on my list just because I think him and Walter Johnson are basically the dead ball era kind of like goats when it came to pitching. I just, of course, love the 2.13 ERA from Christy Mathewson. I know we disagree a lot. I think the all-time leader in ERA for a career is uh, is, is it Addy Joss. It might be. It's either okay. it's yeah. It's I know Addy Joss had ten seasons. It might be him. Um, yeah, and so with Christy, I think he has honestly. I think it's one of the top ERAs when it when you look at for like innings pitched. He almost has uh, five thousand five thousand innings pitched with a 2.13. I think. Nobody else has an ERA that low with that many innings pitched in entire career. So I look at that and I just am very, I, I just blown away by that. Um, it, it was, <laughs> it was a doozy when making this list, man. It was, it was basically narrowing down what you like. And basically I was kind of looking at everything I like. I like, of course, longevity, but also I want to go with primes as well. Maddox prime is, I think, better than anybody else's. And then of course, I think Randy with having two periods of his career that are just kind of like stupid. Um, it's crazy to think if he didn't even have the second prime with the Arizona Diamondbacks, he'd still of course be, I think a first, like almost first ballot hall of famer with what he was able to do from 1993 to 1990, uh, 1997. Um, that short stint prime was just honestly, um, it, it ranked really high for me. So, that's kind of the way I went about things. But for me, I think Clemens, I just never even thought about because of everything that, that came with him. If I wanted to punish um, or if I wanted to leave off the, on the starting lineup for Bonds and Rodriguez, I was going to do the same thing for Clemens. That's why he never even came in consideration. The big one was a, the big one for me was Mar- Pedro Martinez. Where do I put him? Do I put him in the at number five or do I just leave him off slightly? Um, I think with me, Pedro, of course, the prime is insanity it, it, it is insane i think of course looking at the overall um entirety of the career uh it's it, it, it's a great career but i think that just other guys had better overall careers than him um and then of course i think maddox had a better prime than him so um 
that's that's basically my big spiel and my thought process on how I graded all these starting pitchers. So perfect. Um, you went way in depth on your thought process. <laughs> no, that, that's exactly what I, I I was hoping for. Um, because you know we have a big disagreement about you know these guys, and I, I want to hear your full thoughts. And that was very uh, informative. Um, so I'm gonna go ahead and give my thoughts on like Pedro and Christie. Um, Clemens is fine because Clemens. We agree on the greatness. We do disagree about the way he got it. So um, I have no problem with leaving off uh, Clemens for the expense of a guy like Randy or, or Christie. But um, Charles, I think if I'm grading, like I need a guy to pitch in this series, like big, like big game, like who am I going to go with? I could pick the peak of any pitcher. I think Walter is first. And I think Pedro is second for me. Um, Obviously, we're crossing eras like that, but um, for me, I think Pedro's prime. I think it was. I think it was. No, I think it was number one. I think it was the best prime ever. Um, I think that uh, looking at some of the numbers, he was able to put up. Um, some of the WAR numbers are are really great. Eleven point seven WAR. It's as good as you're gonna find a season for uh, a guy like Christie or, or or Walter. I think actually had a, one a bit higher, maybe twelve something, but. Um, yeah, just in, in, in four straight years when he got Cy Young three times and finished second another time, uh, he had a 9 war, a 7.3, then a 9.8, then an 11.7. Um, yeah, I just think the Cy Youngs, are, they just go off the charts. Um, only has three, but finished second two other times, third another time. Uh, a truly dominant seven-year prime, in my opinion. Um, what really gets me, Travis, is the ERA plus numbers. Um, some of the best ERA plus seasons in the hardest era to be a pitcher in baseball history, I'd say. It's either the steroid era or it's the 1920s when Babe started hitting home runs and the whole league started following suit. But um, Travis, in 1997, a 2.19 ERA plus. Two years later, a 2.43 ERA plus leads baseball. Two years later, a 2.91 ERA plus. That is still, I think, it's the best. ERA plus in a season um, for like over like a certain number of innings, over like 200 innings pitched um, of all time. And it's, it's, I think it's the best pitch season ever, in my opinion, um, in terms of run prevention results basis. Then the next season, it's a 188 OPS plus. So he's still, he should be getting a Cy Young votes, but he only pitched half a season that year. And then uh, the next two years, he's over 200 again. So Travis, I just see a seven year stretch where five times he was over 200 in ERA plus, that doesn't happen. That really does not happen. Um, Christie didn't do that. Walter probably barely did it. Um, Christie has one, two seasons. He has two seasons over a 200 OPS plus, and that's fine because that's not you know that's not the stat that everyone has to go by. But ERA plus wise, I think that it's a good way to say how much better were you than everyone else, and Pedro was just way better than everyone else in the hardest era to pitch. Um, for those that have not seen like kind of some of his his crazy stats during some of his crazy seasons, um, his 174, a 1.74 ERA in 2000, um, the thing that really makes it pop, Travis, is how much better it was than every other starting pitcher in the American League. That season, he has a... Once, yeah, it's a 1.74 ERA. Second place in Cy Young voting got a 4.14. Third place, a 4.11. Fourth place, 
Fourth place was a 4.35. The best pitchers in baseball in the steroid era are throwing ERAs in the fours, and Pedro was at a 1.74. The difference there, he 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 had over double war than all these guys. He had triple war, triple the war of Andy Pettit, who got fourth place in sign voting. So it's just an absolute crazy level of dominance that. I just don't think it's happened in any other era of baseball. I think Pedro is one of one in terms of how much better he was than his opposition, than his competitors um, in his era. Travis, that was a lot of praise for Pedro. I kind of, <laughs> I, I, I kind of rambled, but um, I think that Christie, if you want to say who has a better career, I think that's fine. I think saying Christie Matthewson has a better career, I think that's fine. I'm not going to argue with you there. And I think that's really what you like to have on your list is the best careers. And I think that's, very fair um for me i want the guy who was the best peak and so i'm happy to have pedro on my five um also that's probably why i also left off randy is because i thought randy his best era plus seasons just don't really compare to that of clemens to that of pedro to that of maddox so he got left off my list as well even though i love his longevity and the fact that he's like 40 winning cy young award it just makes no sense um, and he's just this big lefty that kills birds. Yeah, he's just a, just a freak of nature, and just you know, you love watching every second of it. I just I just don't really put uh, too much stock in the ERA on Matthewson just because of the dead ball era. Of course, it is a better ERA than a guy like um, like Walter, Don- Walter Johnson, for example. But I will also add that Walter Johnson's ERA plus is much better because of the era, and um, I guess just how productive he was. But uh, just a correction from earlier. I think Addie Joss is actually second all time uh, in ERA, and the first was uh, Ed Walsh, I believe. But okay. Matthew Sin, in, in terms of us, you set a certain like limit on innings. Like you say, you have to be over, you know, whatever it is, like yeah, you know, yeah. three thousand innings or something. I'm not sure. Um, then all of a sudden they'll go to Matthew Sin. So yeah. um, that's very fair. Um, Travis, we Which pretty much just have these minor disagreements on you know our philosophies, <laughs> and that's that's to be expected. So. Um, Anything else in pitching? Nothing else. Um, they are, yeah. They, they. It's funny how literally they, you get such different types of pitching styles. You know, Walters throwing one hundred two, throwing gas. Lefties throwing gas from I, the left side. I really wish we knew how fast they were throwing. No, exactly. I like, know. It, it's. I, I think they used to time it by like using a motorcycle. I, I've seen documentaries. Like the they literally would throw. Seen. They literally try to throw the same. Uh, they try to release the pitch as a motorcycle is driving down a road alongside the pitching mound, and they have the motorcycle going like eighty something. And if the ball beats it there, and then they go a little bit faster. It's, it, like, it's yeah. just like oh, he's going like ninety. It, 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 I mean, it, it's kind of just like what? And so, um, yeah, I, I mean, literally, like you said, like I said, Walter going from the right side, kind of almost a, a sidearm, and then you have lefty over the top lefty. Uh, lefty arm going you know 100 miles an hour again christy just throwing a bunch of junk screwballs curveballs all this stuff when i think dead ball i really think of christy matthewson because i think he just was dirty yeah i think i think because because charis you're just throwing spitballs and mud balls and yeah i i i think i talked about this before but honus wagner had like an interview where he was explaining why babe ruth was able to hit so many home runs and it's because they banned all that stuff the dead ball era ended in part because they banned the spitballs and the mud balls 
Cheris, Honus yeah, Wagner. Hitting a wet baseball would be. Honus Wagner said like six pitches that they banned that I, I've never heard of. Like it was like a spit ball and a mud ball and a dirt ball and a something else ball and this all this kind of stuff. Tainted like, balls, yeah. yeah. It's like, uh, it, you know, when I think of Matthews, I think of this guy was the you know one of the best ERAs ever because he was so dominant in throwing these crazy pitches yep. that are just feel, it feels like a different sport, yep. but the numbers speak for themselves. Yep, yep. And then of course you look at. Randy, just the presence on the mound, I think that that says something. And then, of course, Maddox. I mean, they always talk about, you know, a Maddox complete game being, you know, 80 pitches. Efficiency. Efficiency. And a guy that literally is probably not going to strike you out, but he's going to get you to roll over on something. Um, so I, I I like this a lot. Um, you know, I, I, I know, of course, you want Clemens, you want Martinez. I think that yeah, I, I, I think that both rotations, of course, are going to get the job done. Um, yeah, I think, yeah. I mean, we both nitpicked on, like, why we like Christy, why we like uh, Pedro, why we like, you know, Randy. At the end of the day, uh, these are all inner circle elite of the elite guys, of course. Um, yeah, these guys are all put up, like, some of the best numbers of all time. Uh, I think that, yeah, it's just, it just a difference of, of, of philosophy. I don't really care about how great the career was, I admit. I don't think Pedro is a top five career ever. But I think he's a top five most dominant for sure. So definitely, that's um, you know, that apparently wraps that up. We can probably move on to bullpen now, huh? We can definitely move on to bullpen. Uh, I'll let you start first with yours. Uh, this will be, of course, um, five guys. Now it's going to be, of course, like four setup men and then a closing pitcher. But um, I'll let you start first with yours, and then uh, I'll discuss mine. So my four setup men in no order. Are going to be Dennis Eckersley, Billy Wagner, a guy who we've not mentioned yet today, Goose Gossage, makes my team, as well as Craig Kimbrell. My closer is Myron Rivera. Go ahead and give me your five. So, a guy that we have never mentioned, not really that much before. I think going back to one of the first ones. I'm scared. But he has played. For a, he played for both leagues, but not a lot of years. Raleigh Fingers. Okay. Billy Wagner. Craig Kimbrell. Dennis Eckersley. Mariano Rivera closing it. So, um, yeah, I mean. So, one more time. You said Eck. Eckersley, Wagner. Kimbrell. E- Eckersley, Kimbrell, Wagner, Fingers. So the only difference is fingers and gossage. Fingers and gossage. And so they both are similar in that they were not on our AL or NL teams. Um, it's funny because honestly, I I, I had uh, it's fingers. Of course, is probably one of the best Oakland A's um, relievers. But Dennis, I think, is just is yeah. better. So he, of course, took the limelight from him all the time. But I think now with expanding it, um, I was able to open up a spot for this guy. So fingers had to be on my list a Cy Young winner and an MVP winner in one season uh, with the Milwaukee Brewers in 1981. Um, yeah, I, I I think he's just an all-time great. So, Yeah, so the reason why uh, Goose Gossage for me, Travis, he was not on the AL team or the NL team, but he is on my all-MLB team. It comes down to the fact that uh, he... Fred McGriff. He, right, he had he split his time. He started out with the Chicago White Sox for five years, then went to Pittsburgh for a year, so going to NL... Then back to AL. Some of his best years were as a Yankee uh, into his 30s. And then became a Padre for a dominant stretch. Then was a Cub, a Giant, 
back to a Yankee, Texas, Oakland, Seattle. So he was bouncing around towards the end. He has 16 years in the AL and seven years in the NL. And some of his best years actually on a peak basis came in the NL. Um, I think his best stretch was as a Yankee, and we all think of him as a Yankee. But I think his, one of his best just, just seasons, just point blank, is as a pirate. He just had a really great year as a pirate throwing, you know, 133 innings pitched and getting, you know, uh, a 1.62 ERA. So um, he just had a great uh, versatility going between the leagues and uh, he makes my team. I think that the ERA plus numbers on Gossage are really, really impressive. Um, I think the peak years uh, are superior to that of fingers. Uh, A... Four, what is this? Oh, that's a shortened season. I'm not going to count that. Um, yeah, but the, the 244 ERA plus I think is really great. Um, I think Fingers does actually trump that number. But um, I think the way Gossage kind of, you know, was dominant with the Yankees, um, kind of spread out more than, I think Fingers really kind of clumped it together in like one really elite year. And hey, I'm the guy who likes Prime, so I got no problem with that at all. But go ahead and tell me why you ended up going Fingers over some other options. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I had, of course, Hoffman for the longest time. Um, he was going to be on that list. I was still riding with Hoffman. Um, I just figured with Fingers being a guy that, of course, is, you want to, of course, have a guy that's going to be a winner along with, you know, Mario Rivera. He is a guy that won uh, all the championships with Oakland in the beginning. It's three World Series championships with Oakland uh, in the early 70s. So, of course, you got the winning aspect there. And then I think also rounding it about to the end of his career with Milwaukee, um, 1981 Cy Young MVP. I just think that's kind of an insanely special kind of season uh, that you have to almost include uh, anytime you are, you know, you're talking about a, a closing pitcher and a reliever. Uh, so he, of course, will make my list. That's that's my main reason why is, you know, I, I look at a lot of guys for prime. I look at a lot of guys for longevity. Um, I think for him, you look at just a narrowed prime of almost one season, just being complete excellence. And then of course, of course, being a hall of famer, being a great uh, pitcher throughout his career. So um, that's the main reason I got him on this uh, list. And yeah, he'll, he'll be a guy that'll be, you know, early on bullpen. Yeah. Um, for that one season, I agree. It is, it is legendary. Somehow he led baseball in saves with 28. I know. Seems I like know. a low number. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah. Um, not sure what happened in 81. Maybe it was shortened. I'm not sure. Because only 47 appearances. You know what? It actually was because I remember there was a there was a thing people talked about how the, I guess, the Dodgers won the World Series in 81. Oh. And they say that oh, like, I the see. Dodgers have never won like a real World Series <laughs> <championship>. <laughs> Poor Dodgers fans. They no, just cannot I, catch it, a No, break. it was funny because I, I guess they actually, in 88 and in 81, um, there was a... Um, there was like a shortened stint. Someone said something about like, oh, they haven't won a run, they haven't won a real ring since like '65. <laughs> it's just, I mean, it's complete like complete craziness. Because I mean, it's like okay, well, they they didn't play two games out of they only played 160. Uh, sorry, that does not count. So yeah, that's, um, that, that, but, that's that's some BS for sure. But that's pretty funny. To, no, it, it's pretty funny that some people are saying that. But yeah, '81 I think had us a little bit of a shortened shortened season. So, um, but just, pretty insane. Just to wrap up the point, I guess. Um, the season is crazy. I'm not going to put too much stock in the voters thinking he deserves MVP. Because, Travis, even though I'm really obsessed with Eckersley MVP, I think it's really crazy. In reality, there's never really a season where a closer is the most valuable player. It's just never going to be the case when you... Your war is never going to be the best. Your, your, the, the amount of batters you face 
it's just going to be less valuable than a starting pitcher. Uh, only thing I'll say is if you come in, you know, 75 times and every single time you come in, you strike out the side, you know, so yeah, something it, it, of it, like, it would have to be like a mythical yeah. creature. Kind right. Of, you know, it would have numbers. to, it have to be some, some other level of, of shutting things down that, um, you know, has never been seen before. Uh, overall, I went with Gossage, I guess. You know, it's funny how we kind of betray our own like tendencies because yeah. I went with Gossage because a lot of these years by by fingers, uh, you see kind of average area plus numbers like a 122, a 136, you know, these kind of, you know, you, you're, you're a very solid pitcher, but you're not elite. And then, of course, there's the crazy, crazy 1981 season. Um, Travis, because of that, I agree. I think he deserves lots of consideration for that. Um, the Everyone else on our list feels very solid. I think Kimbrel... I like peak. You like what you like. If he fits at all, he fits the yep. list. Yeah. The um, what he was able to do in consecutive seasons, closing, uh, just being elite ERA plus numbers, ERA save numbers for the Braves. Um, he earned the spot. Uh, Eckersley earned the spot with the A's. Uh, there's just no question. Wagner. And and, we'll, and we'll it'll be fun to bring up in January. Yeah. We'll talk about uh. How valuable can a closer be? Do you deserve a Hall of Fame for being a great closer? We'll talk about that in January. But Wagner is quite possibly the best lefty closer of all time. We'll discuss that, of course, uh, for the Hall of Fame ballot. And then, uh, of course, Mo is the closer of the team. Uh, enter Sandman. You know, it has to be him. So, um, yeah, that pretty much wraps it up, Jarvis. Anything else to add? Oh, man. Nothing really else out of this lineup. What what a, what a, I think this is the longest episode to date, which kind of surprised me, but it shouldn't have because we like talking about these guys. Um, exactly. We like going on and on. So if you endured our rambling somehow, well, we appreciate it as always. Um, thanks so much uh, to all the listeners uh, at home. Please let us know where, let us know where we're wrong. Tell us where we're right. Tell us who's if if Travis is better than me. You're wrong, but tell you go ahead and oh, let yeah. me go ahead and let me know on Twitter or whatever you want to do. But um, yeah, if you made it this far, we appreciate uh, you so much, and we will talk to you guys next week. Presented by Tool Tools Podcast. <laughs> <laughs>